Allen. Morning, Thursday morning in London town. Bad news if you've been taking ginkgo biloba. It's the one that people take. I mean, lots of people take supplements. This one, of course, claimed to improve memory and mental sharpness uh, and would prevent Alzheimer's. It doesn't. I'm afraid it's now been proven for the second time that it does absolutely nothing at all. So if you're taking it, don't even waste your money. It's just not worth it. I mean, I I think people do take supplements. In fact, there's probably thousands of you listening at the moment who take loads and loads of supplements. But uh, the Alzheimer's Society have said it's understandable people want to hear that an over-the-counter herbal remedy could be the answer to preventing Alzheimer's. And we hope that this would be the wonder drug, but it's not to be. Because if you listened to In Conversation last week with Arlene Phillips, she was talking about... The fact that we know so little about Alzheimer's, there is nothing that you can that you can take to prevent it. You can't halt it. You can't do anything about it. And they found no difference with people who took this drug to people who didn't take the drug. So, in other words, if I can save you money and point you in the right, I can't point you in any right direction for stopping Alzheimer's. I can only say keeping your brain active and doing exercise and eating fruit is actually good for you. Uh, Unfortunately, taking a, a drug like ginkgo biloba, which for years people have been taking, but they've just done this, it's a big survey, 2,800 people, I mean, that in terms of surveys is is quite a large number of people, and it's had no effect whatsoever, it didn't actually, uh, you know, change, they, they actually used a, an inactive placebo in half the group, the other ones they used ginkgo biloba, and it didn't make any difference, there was no difference between the two groups at all, so it does not stop Alzheimer's, don't take it anymore, okay, that'll save you a small fortune today, I like the idea we could say, yesterday we were saving you money, and the day before, when we were talking about the battleship that comes out in this magazine, was going to take you two and a half years to make it, and cost you £800, and I said, listen, just go to a website, go and buy the blooming thing, you can buy it for 300 quid, save yourself 500 so that's always good news. Oh, God in heaven. There was a... Um, so I'm just looking at a horrible picture. Horrible picture on the front page of, uh, of a couple of... The, not, it's not even on the front page of the papers, actually. I've just realised this is the Mail Online. And this is where they always put fright pictures on. And here she is, the world's most delusional, delusional old baggage. No, not Samantha Brick. Nancy Delulally. Yes, here she is again, wearing what can only be described... I mean, if this woman seriously thinks this is an attractive outfit, go back to the mirror and look again, dear. That's why all the people behind you in one of the pictures were looking the other way, because they were being sick. Okay, they were looking away from you. Poor old Nancy. The baggage from nowhere. The baggage who has got no idea about dressing at all. Inappropriate heels, inappropriate outfit. I mean, you're just... You're too ancient for any of this stuff. You're too ancient for wearing any of it. Please don't go out and make yourself look even more stupid than you do at the moment. Why don't you try and get a job, do something? I hear boots are recruiting at the moment. Perhaps you could stack shelves or perhaps you get a job in the Kentucky. But uh, you really are no fashion item at all, are you? You really haven't got the faintest idea. Oh, prove right yet again. I'm so sorry to be proven right, but the papers have finally picked up on it today, which is good news. Yes, day before yesterday... Armin Sling, motorway crash, I shall defy the doctors. Yes, believe it or not, the saint that is Cheryl Cole has made a miraculous recovery. It's fantastic. No, she was able to go out swinging her arms the other day. No injury whatsoever. However, the good news spreads across the water where Will I Am, who came out on Monday, uh, when I say came out, came out of hospital uh, with his neck in a brace. And then by Tuesday it had gone. Isn't that just the power of prayer, ladies and gentlemen? And the reason that uh, Cheryl was out with her boyfriend, or as we prefer to call him, just the latest sap to hang around the poor girl's neck, uh, she was pictured going out, and it's because she's a fighter. 
She's a fighter out there, and she's just she's a grand little lassie, and she's just she's defied the doctors. It's a it's a miracle from on high, ladies and gentlemen. I can only say that it's going to reaffirm my interest in the church. I'm going back in. I mean, she's just God. God must be looking down on this little midget and going. Do you know I'm going to make your arm better, pet? Because I'm assuming that's how he talks. He probably does different languages for different people. Because if you were Chinese, you wouldn't understand what he was saying, would you? Unless he was speaking in Chinese. And so, consequently, he's obviously spoken to Cheryl, and she's been out with her little boyfriend, Tree, who's a dancer with no money. So, luckily, he's found his cash cow. Well, he's found the cash. Uh, the cow, of course, was Nancy Delolio for wearing that ridiculously stupid outfit. I mean, nobody, unless they really are a complete and utter bozo, would ever wear anything like that. Or unless you were sort of working the Reaper Barn or standing in a window in Amsterdam. I can't see any other reason why she'd want to make herself look so stupid. Poor soul, it's not her fault. I mean, I suppose she starts off with a handicap. She's Italian. And, uh, and she's over here. I wonder how much longer she'll be in Sven's flat for. That's an interesting one to watch. And then, of course... The other two people who are just a complete waste of space, banging on his door, trying to get in at one thirty in the morning. Alex, the cage fighter, cross-dresser, sending sex texts to a man. Reed was trying to get in, and Chantelle, living the dream, not actually doing anything, because she can't, uh, was in bed and didn't hear him banging on the door and shouting obscenities, so the police were called. I think we should charge these two idiots with wasting police time. The police had to go out there, and uh, I don't know if he was drunk or what he was, but either way, bang it. You'd think he'd have a key, wouldn't you? You'd think he'd have a key, Paul, so perhaps to the back door, eh, Alex? Perhaps the kids. I mean, they are struggling in their relationship. It's so it's so difficult nowadays if you're a cage fighter who dresses as a woman, because nobody, nobody's ever going to take you seriously, are they? Nobody's going to take you seriously. Jordan didn't take him seriously. Uh, he didn't take Jordan seriously. And then he found Chantel. I mean, so lucky two empty-headed people find each other in the world. Whoopee! I'd have them banged up, I'm afraid, because, frankly, wasting police time is not top of my agenda. The police have got more than enough to do about wasting time with these two little idiots. So there's a picture of them in the paper today. And no doubt there'll be interviews in, you know, Now Magazine, Reveal, OK, you know, Celeb Gossip, Celeb Gossip 2, Celeb Gossip The Return, Celeb Gossip 4, Rehash Celeb Gossip, all these great magazines that come out, Celeb Gossip... The rerun, celeb gossip with photos, celeb gossip, the photo call, uh, and then no doubt Chantel will put her side of the story and cross dressing. Girly boy, Alex Reed will put his side of the story, and then the former manager will say how he put his, Alex Reed put his hand on his leg, and Alex Reed made inappropriate sort of gestures towards him, which we've had before in the newspapers. So, all in all, you know, you just wish somebody had lift them up, the hand of God, take them over the ocean, and drop them both in from a great height, because I couldn't care less if I ever see them ever again. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Peter in Westminster said uh, how right you were over Cheryl and her injury, like you said. What a fraud. Well, of course, you knew. Listen, the moment she came back to the country to promote the record, you knew there's nothing the matter with her. Cheryl defies the doctors. Yeah, Cheryl really knows everything, doesn't she? Yeah, my arm is sling. And uh, then, of course, out for dinner the other night in, uh, in Mayfair. I find it quite naff, really, that people from the lower end of town are now eating in Mayfair. It's ruined Mayfair completely. You know, Mayfair used to be full of nice, classy people. And things like that. And now you've got Cheryl Wayai Cole dining out with a dancer. I mean, God in heaven, the standards have slipped, ladies and gentlemen. 
Not good enough, I'm afraid. Not good enough. And then, um, now what was he? What was he talking about? Oh, Duncan was talking about computer games. I don't know anything about computer games. I don't have any computer games. I don't play computer games. I'm not remotely interested in computer games. I'm not interested in people. I don't. I don't do anything. I don't do anything like that. I think it's kind of a wasted life if you sit there in front of a computer. I don't do no, don't do any of that kind of rubbish. No, no, dress dolls up me. That's where I'm happiest. I dress them up and and make them wear Alex Reed's clothing. That that, that really impresses me. Get Barbie looking like a bloke. That's what really impresses me. Mm. God, honestly, do you know? I've, just to really annoy myself this morning, I've hung up the picture of Nancy Delolio wearing that disgusting dress. I mean, you know, it, it would look better on somebody about 50 years younger. It's a see-through dress at the top uh, with little glitter bits covering her saggy boobs. I mean, to be honest with you, a woman of her age, as you can imagine, they're down by her knees. And so she's got this... I mean, it's, I mean it's, to be honest with you, it's just... She looks trash. She lo- it's an outfit that is obviously gone out there. I mean, if you are as delusional as this poor old bag is, you go out there to get a picture taken. She's got no class whatsoever, which is a shame because Italian women are really classy. They dress classy. You go to Italy, people dress classy. They don't dress like this. Only harlots dress like this. You know, women who are making an exhibition of themselves and can't... Uh, she was never classy. She's writing, though. You'll be delighted to know. She's, she's written... Um, a play about her life. I know, and, and, and it's, it's going to be so interesting to watch it, because it, it'll never make it onto the stage, I'll predict now. Yes, we've always wondered about her life. Where has she come from? Where's she going back to? Old woman finds old men. You know, that's, that's what the book should be entitled. Rich old men. There's no point in going for the old men. And then you look at her and you think, oh, God, you watch her being interviewed on the television. Who did I watch being interviewed? Martine McCutcheon interviewed her. And unfortunately, and much as I love Martine, was fawning over her like she was some fashion icon. Nobody looks at Nancy DeLolio and goes, fashion icon. They just go, withering old bag. She's got great legs, but I mean, frankly, can't talk to the legs. Make up your own jokes. I'm not doing them on this programme, not at this time of the morning. 84850 had a We had an update. We had an update on the... Pear lollies. We had an update on the pear lollies, which I'll tell you about a little bit later on, which I'm very excited about. Very, very excited about. Um, uh, Noreen says, you're really looking forward to Vegas. I'm very excited. Peter Gabriel is there early October. Elton's there for a while, but you'll be busy. And uh, I finally got round, says Noreen, to watching Big Brother. My friend Margaret managed to persuade me. And then Dallas. A lot of wiggling eyebrows in Dallas, the ladies. I'm not interested in Dallas. I'm really not. I don't know why I'm not, because I was when it was on the television. I just think it looks dated. To watch poor old JR back now, you know, practically on his last legs, tottering around the set, is not, it's not my idea of fun. I'm not interested in it. You cannot remake things that were brilliant first time round and then bring them back and then expect us all to pick up on it. That's why, as I say, nobody nobody cared about it, I'm afraid. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Uh, 84850, uh We'll go through the papers in a moment. It's the same old, same old, I'm afraid. We're still doing the Paralympics. We're still doing very well. Uh, there's a, a rather nasty picture of, uh, of one of the Paralympians looking a bit evil today in the papers, in the wheelchair thing. And so we'll come round to that. And also, the four people shot dead in the French Alps. What the hell's that about? I mean, that really is... A, I mean, they were parked by forest in hills next to a very picturesque lake. It's almost like they were targeted. It's almost as if 
There's more that's going to come out about this story. You don't just gun a family down in the Alps for no reason. There's got to be a reason. There's a man and a woman and another woman and two children. And one of, I think, both the children. uh, There's one who is wounded seven in the car and I think there was another one found outside the car. And then a cyclist who happened upon it was also shot dead. Something not right here. This is Switzerland. It's just, just not right. Quarter past four. This is LBC Night. Strange, this shooting in the French Alps. I mean, it really is strange because the place where the where the family was shot, and it does seem to be members of the same family. The French prosecutors have now say that they are British, and they're working on the assumption that it was all members of the same family. And a four-year-old girl was found uninjured inside the vehicle. The rest of them had bullet uh, bullet wounds. Some of them, three or four bullet holes in them and they're now thinking they're working on the assumption they were the deliberate target of an assassin or several assassins and and immediately in the back of my mind you think to yourself so people go on holiday i mean you don't just you know if if you are somebody who is slightly deranged as we say you go around and you shoot indiscriminately in a village you don't target people who are who are out in their car for the day do you Unless you've deliberately followed them, and you're deliberately following them for some reason. Is it a crime family? Is it drugs related? I mean, what is it? We don't know. We will find out once they identify the family, and once that uh, that news has come back. I reckon by tomorrow we will know who the family are, and uh, and that's when the thing might unravel. Because it's it's very rarely that these things just happen on the spur of the moment. Very, very rare that they happen on the spur of the moment, where where you know a family just get targeted in the French Alps. It just doesn't happen. I mean, it's so peaceful and quiet up there, and it's pretty, and people go there for the scenery and the fresh air, and somebody... And then they... And yet yet a cyclist was targeted as well. Presumably the cyclist was targeted because he'd seen the number plate of the vehicle who perpetrated the crime, so I'm assuming that's why he was shot as well. Saddest picture of the paper today. John Prescott appearing on Mr and Mrs. Poor delusional old John Prescott dragging out the fragrant wife, Pauline. That's Pauline who puts up with his indiscretions, the two-year affair, which, of course, was never mentioned during the programme. You'd have thought, actually, Mr and Mrs and the Miss. You know, I would think that was... Uh, that was. Fi- I mean, t- to watch him on there was one of the saddest things I've ever seen on television. I mean, how this man can even think he's got a personality and people are interested in his dreary little life. You all know who he is. Is John Prescott, the former Deputy Prime Minister, who was so desperate to be somebody. He then took his seat in the House of Lords so that the fragrant Pauline could have a bit of a title. Unfortunately, it's just Pauline with the big hair. We know he eats chips. He looks like he eats chips all the time. And then there's the judge in the paper who says you need a lot of courage to burgle a house. And so uh, he lets a, a burglar go free. Can't believe it, can you? And, uh, and one here, and this is Sophie who says, I'm so mad at you being so negative, read Dallas, but without watching. I don't need to watch reruns. I know what a rerun is. I'm an adult. It's a rerun, and it was rubbish. Rubbish, 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 rubbish. You cannot make rerun. There's never been a good rerun or a good remake. It just does not happen. If you're, if you're as uh, old as many people listening, we saw the original thing, and you don't need to watch a remake with a very old Larry Hagman. In fact, a, a geriatric Larry Hagman. Just not uh, good. And I'm sure, you know, you thought it was lovely. That's great, as long as you liked it. Unfortunately, hardly anybody would be watching it on Channel 5, which is a shame. Hugh says, maybe Lancey Delusional should take dress hints from Alex Reed. Well, maybe she has already. Oh, I suspect it's the kind of outfit he would wear. In fact, looking at it, it does look like an Alex Reed outfit. 
Alex Reed, the cross-dressing police waste of time person, who, together with Chantelle, live in the dream. Neither of them have done a day's work in their life. Alex, apparently, is an actress. Actor, sorry. Well, perhaps I was right first time round. Uh, I always listen to LBC. Right, somebody, that's good. Somebody says, when will the in-conversation with Alex be, then? Alex Reed. luckily, we don't need to, uh, to do things like that, Jason. We don't do that. We don't do things like that. I wouldn't be remotely interested in talking to an idiot like that. I really wouldn't. I can't think of anything worse. Cannot think of anything worse. They're all out there, aren't they? Uh, Bob, <coughs> excuse me, is in Manchesterford this morning. Lovely place. It's, actually, we had some nice weather yesterday. A little bit still too warm for me. And I did go out... Uh, and I did do a walk, and I did go to the garden centre, and I did... Do you know, I've discovered a new... Pl- I've not discovered a new plant. I just saw them the other day, and I thought I'd put some of them in, some of the pots, some anti-rhinums. Oh, so pretty. Such pretty. These are sort of pinks and yellows and whites, all on the one flower. Very, very nice. Natasha is still in uh, in slow labour. My boyfriend keeps hassling me to go to the hospital, but I don't want to miss the show. You know, I was conceived in Essex, but born in London. Does that make me an Essex bird? Well, it depends whether you've had the full sex change or not. I don't know. I mean, you, you might have... You could be an Essex geezer. And you're in Brentwood, so, I mean, there's a very good chance you're a cross-dresser. I think that... I mean, and she says, she says, I don't own... I don't fake tan or own a pair of platforms. Bet you do, really. You see, all the people who say that they don't do these things, I mean, actually do. We, we know that they, they do. <laughs> because, you know, luckily I have an insight into stuff like that. I'll tell you more about the, the, uh, the pear lolly a little bit later on. I think we've had a bit of result with this one. A bit of a result. Let's quickly whiz through a couple of papers. I know that Duncan did this earlier on, but uh, I do my own little spin on them. I'll try and be nice about people, but I just can't quite help myself at times. I really can't. The British family gunned down in uh, Cheveline. Uh, the book that they all wanted, Wayne Rooney on Wayne Rooney. In other words, boredom. I mean, really, perhaps the Daily Mirror got the wrong end of the stick here. And Alex nicked in 1am Chantel bust-up. The two stupid people, the two non-entities, the two dipsticks. You just wish that they'd disappear abroad and stay there. Uh, Simon Cowell has jetted back into London to try and rescue the X Factor. I don't really think it's going to work. I don't think... I mean, I'd, I'd be happier if he came back in and tried to rescue red or black. But um, that's not going to happen either, I'm afraid. I I fear there's not a third series on the cards. I fear that there is not. I fear that they will will probably leave it as is, I'm afraid. Uh, Here's a picture of Cheryl. Quite clearly, she's been to Lourdes, because no sign of anything on the arm, because, as you and I know, it was a load of old nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. And will, I am, on Monday, next support on Tuesday... It had gone. Again, you know, silly little people. Silly little people. Yesterday, says Bridget, I heard you say you'd watched some swimming events and were surprised that the swimmers looked normal and why they hadn't competed in the Olympics. No, I didn't ask why they hadn't competed in the Olympics. I just asked why they were in the Paralympics, because they looked able-bodied to me. They stood there, they dived into the water. And I wasn't sure what, what the criteria was. And then... Um, and then you seemed to think to be a Paralympian, you had to have a low IQ. In this one, this is what I was told by somebody here. And uh, what it is, it's in all the sports, the athletes are categorised according to their disability so that people with similar impairments compete against each other. In swimming, it works 1 to 10 physical impairments, class 1 greatest impairment upwards, 11 to 13 visual impairments from no sight to limited sight in ascending order, and 14 intellectual impairments, probably the swimmers you saw. Ah, there you go. See, so it was quite right on the IQ. And uh, it says here... 
I didn't misinterpret at all, Bridget. You didn't hear what I said properly, and you didn't hear what Rupert had said to me. So uh, that's why I should. I must. Have, I was sad to hear the way you assumed and stated on air that to be a Paralympian you must have a low IQ. Now we didn't say that at all. That's your interpretation. You must listen properly. I realise sometimes it's not easy for you, but you must listen properly. And uh, I wasn't misinterpreting what Rupert told me. I was repeating it absolutely verbatim. And as I was there and you weren't, I think I'm in a much better position. Uh, she's been to the Games twice this week and has been blown away by the... Well, they're brilliant for you. Bully for you. Everybody's been blown away by them. You don't go there. I mean, that's what they do. But these people looked as though they were perfectly able-bodied. Perfectly able-bodied to me. And, um... And uh, it says here, it was surprising to hear you. You're very bitter at times, aren't you, Bridget? You really are. There's obviously quite a few chips on your shoulder. She said, it was surprising to hear, having said so many times how you were supporting the Paralympics, showing such a lack of knowledge about the way it's organised. No, that's, that's the judging, dear. That's the judging of it. Dear Bridget, honestly. I do worry. Uh, Daz says, I know Nicholas Parsons hosted Sailor Century, but did he ever host Mr and Mrs? No, Mr and Mrs was Derek Beatty. Derek Beatty, who, as far as I remember, I don't think he's with us anymore. He used to do it with a woman called Susan Cuff. Susan Cuff used to present. And, in fact, it used to be that they won... They never did a celebrity, Mr and Mrs., because in the days of Derek Beatty and his stay-press trousers, they didn't, um, they didn't do celebrities because we didn't have this ridiculous celebrity culture. We didn't have that. We didn't have that at all, I'm afraid. What what we actually had was just ordinary members of the public, and God knows, on Mr and Mrs, they were very ordinary. All they had to do was win, I think, £25. £25 was what it paid on Mr and Mrs. And, and if you didn't, you got a carriage clock, which was probably worth about six or seven quid. And that, and that would have been... Um, that actually would have been considered a good prize in those days. But they didn't do... There were no celebrity versions of any game shows, interestingly enough. When you look at it, I suppose we had loads of people who were celebrities and you could have had them, but we didn't. It's only now, it's only now that we have all these... Uh, we have all these celebrity-based versions. But, I mean, how odd. Celebrity Mr and Mrs John Prescott. He's not a celebrity. He's not a celebrity at all. <laughs> uh, 84850, uk. Uh, I have tried the bottles of lemon juice from M&S. That's the Sicilian lemon juice. It's quite nice. It's quite... It's a bit expensive. You could probably squeeze lemons and get a bit more out of it. But I have tried it. I think it's about £1.55. Anne says, the death of the English family in the French incident. The area is well-known holiday area. Yes, there's um, there's loads of holiday houses. French have got loads of them around there. So they... Uh, they read them, but it seems odd, doesn't it? As opposed to targeting them in their house, that they would then go out and sort of follow them onto a country road. I suppose because if you were doing something and didn't want to be caught, that's why, as I as I said, they shot the cyclist because he obviously happened across the scene and would have seen the car registration number, and then they would have had to have shot him. Perhaps they thought everybody was dead in the vehicle, but one of the uh, one of the children survived. So she's in hospital under armed guard because she might be able to help, although I shouldn't think she'd be seeing anything at all. But there's, there's a bit more to it, isn't there? It's not just going to be a random killing, I don't think. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There was another woman as well. Goes into a Terence Conran restaurant, I think in somewhere in London, quite a posh one, and uh, she sits down at the table on the roof, has a sip of wine, walks out and steps off the edge. Doesn't say what she dies. 
quite clearly, but doesn't say a doesn't say a word at all. This was in, uh, I think it's a restaurant called Coq d'Argent, Coq d'Argent, which is uh, in in Bank, and she just near uh, in in Poultry, in central London, and she's and she just literally had a glass of wine and stepped out and just over the edge. It's bizarre, isn't it? The things that people do. So, uh, more on that. That's in all the papers today as well. It's LBC 97.3, Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Thursday morning in London town, and the time now is 4.30. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. (laughs) Probably was her, I should imagine. Uh, Nancy Delolio, she ain't no style icon, says Dan. She's mutton, dressed as mutton. She's absolutely, it is the cheapest tackiest, most ridiculous outfit on an old woman you've ever seen. The woman is an attention seeker. I mean, you've only got to look at it. I mean, I don't even need to tell you, because, uh, I mean, it's just... It's just vile. It's just vile. Poor soul, she can't help it. Malcolm says, we've heard about toffee apples. What about toffee pears? Toffee pears? Never thought about that. Toffee pears. Because mm. they do them in the Chinese restaurants. They do toffee apple and toffee banana. Why not toffee pear? I suppose, mm. it's, pro- it's probably because you don't really get that much off a pair, do you? Not in Nancy Delolio's case, anyway, you don't. Because <laughs> they're down by her knees, bless her heart. She'd be better off with a wheelbarrow. Um, 84850, steve at uk. Lisa, in, uh, in Antrim, says you're right about Dallas. Load of old tosh. Yes, I mean, it, it, you, they should never have, have sort of picked up on it. It, it was better where it was. In the, in the confines and the annals of television history, because it was good, to then bring it back and here's, here's JR and I, I don't know Swell and, and, you know, it's just rubbish, I'm afraid. Uh, Larry Hagman's looking very well, thanks to his liver transplant. Yes, I mean, he's 80. He's, he's grateful to still be walking around, I suppose. Uh, a lot of people guessing about the, uh, the family who was shot dead in the French Alps. It's a most peculiar story. I believe... I don't believe it was just a random shooting. I think it was a targeted shooting. It would have to be. If it was random shooting, you'd just go through and you'd just pick on anybody, wouldn't you? And also, to actually... The, the moment you saw a child, you wouldn't shoot, would you? Would you? I don't know. 84850, steve at uk. Dean, he says, who cares about Potato Head Rooney and that uh, drunk, boring Welsh woman... As for Get a Life, Chantel and Alex, throw them in the Thames. Chuck them all in the Thames. That's what they used to do years ago, I'm afraid. They used to throw everything in the Thames. And it, uh, it went in and it all floated down the river and it came out the other end. 84850, uk. I know that Duncan was talking about petrol, and I was amazed to him saying he managed to find petrol at one forty-three, at one forty-one or something. I paid one forty-four the other day, one forty-four for petrol, and that was unleaded. It was super duper petrol, you know. We'll wash your car at the same time and clean the windscreen, but it is now, and they're now doing a probe into it. Where are we? We're now in September, and when are they going to have the results for us? January, January, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you only have to go around the garages to see it's a rip-off. You only have to go around the garages. When you actually look at, say, pound thirty-eight point nine nine pence per litre, where is it going? 50 pence is the wholesale price. 50 pence. Uh, the fuel duty, that's what the government get, 57.95 pence. They actually get more than you can buy it for wholesale. 
is the retailer take, and 23.17 pence is VAT. So the government, of course, are laughing. The government can hike it up any which way they want. And uh, they make more money. So it's the government doing it. The petrol companies, of course, are not, not doing too badly. Don't ever shed a tear for the petrol companies. Still in the papers, talk of Catherine Jenkins opening up about her torment after taking to Twitter to deny rumours of an affair with David Beckham. I'm not interested in the rumours of David Beckham because I believe that it's made up completely. I think it's completely made up. She says here uh, that uh, she put out a statement of denial on Twitter because she'd heard a rumour. Well, I, I don't believe it. I do not believe it. At the GQ Awards, David Walliams said that he, in fact, had made love to David Beckham and she was watching, <laughs> which, of course, made it even more interesting for the crowd there. In fact, there was uh, all sorts of things. So, <coughs> you know, for somebody to go onto Twitter and go, I've not had an affair with David Beckham, I'm thinking of sending it out myself. I have not slept with Victoria Beckham. I do, nor do I suspect it's anybody else apart from David, because he's not exactly the one you go, for. Victoria Beckham. It's like nobody ever goes, for Jordan. Nobody ever does. Nobody, I've never heard anybody in my entire life go, for Jordan is really gorgeous. They just look at, I've never heard anybody say about Nancy DeLolio either, I'm afraid. Quar, Nancy DeLolio, no. People don't say things like that. They're, they're just attention seekers. I've never heard them say it about Jerry Halliwell either. No funny. Never anybody going, for Jerry Halliwell. Unless it's a former drug addict to go, for Jerry Halliwell. You know, in which case you go, oh, there must be Russell Brand. Hi, Russell. You know, he's out there on the stage. People were asking him the other day rude questions about Jerry Halliwell. And he said, no, she's a nice bird. Because he's, he's a bit drippy, I'm afraid. I'm not, uh, not a big fan, as you, uh, as you know. This, uh, it's amazing the stuff that makes it into the papers now. So you do get cage fighter held, Alex Reed cage fighter, Alex Reed cross-dressing drip, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently he was in Brookside at one point. As what? I can't imagine. A gatepost, I suppose. He's so wooden and so useless. And uh, she was utterly terrified. She thought someone was breaking in, even though she apparently couldn't... I mean, she'd think she'd know the difference between her old man's voice. Let me in. I, th- I don't recognise your voice. Let me in. I don't know who you are. I'm calling the police. You attention-seeking old baggage. That's him, incidentally, not her. And so the, the police have now, uh, you know, said, no, go home, grow up. And representatives for Alex and Chantelle have declined to comment. Representatives have declined to comment. Perhaps they can't, perhaps they're not able to speak. I'll tell you what, let's go round now and wake them up. Let's go round to their house now and wake them up. They actually arrested him. Yeah, but then they released him without charge. I, I mean, I can't hear you, so it's no good uh, doing that. Um, so I don't understand why... Well, they have to take them away from the from the scene. You can't question somebody outside their own house. You take them to the station and you sit down with him and you go, and you are who? <laughs> uh, Alex Reed. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. What, what do you do? Cage fighter. <laughs> Cage fighter in what? Women, women's clothing. <laughs> Yeah, that's, you can imagine how the conversation goes. I bet the local police probably love it round there. We brought them in last night. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Imagine what Chantel looks like first that tried to take that idea out of your mind. Uh, I love the idea that uh, Penman and Summerlad investigate. And this time they're investigating caravan sites. Caravan sites owned by Morris Sines and his partner, James Crickmore. These are the people who sell you a caravan on some of their sites. And when they buy them back... They buy them back for peanuts. Apparently not very nice people. In fact, they're, they're so not very nice people, the park home tycoon Morris Sines has warned 
that if he doesn't like what we write, he will take this further than we can imagine. What a charming person he must be. A charming person. Science says, where are you based? Whatever you print, print the truth. If not, I will take this much, much further than you can ever imagine. I will get some people proper onto you. Get some... Ooh, scary girls, aren't we? Ooh, get some people proper... I've never heard language like that. Proper onto you. Remember the names. Morris Signs and James... It's his, it's his partner. I'm not sure if that's boyfriend. When it says partner, what does that mean... Oh, business. It doesn't say business partner, though. I mean, so they might actually... They might actually be an item. It's quite sweet, isn't it? They look as though they might be. I like things like that. I like happy stories in the papers. That one's not a particularly happy story. Um, I'm even more worried by the story of the paper of gypsy gate crashers. For that, read traveller gate crashers, OK? Brawling with fellow travellers during the filming of my Big Fat Gypsy Wedding special. This, this, gets, this has a downward turn for me. Riot police were called to the lavish hotel party where a Channel 4 television crew were captured... <coughs> Sorry, the excitement. ...were capturing teenage bride Margaret Hanrahan's big day. She is part of the... When they say big fat gypsy wedding, she's the fat bit, OK? Wearing another one of these ghastly revolting dresses. One hotel guest who asked not to be named and was probably pixelated said there were massive dresses, cars coming and going, and then fights. It was very intimidating. Margaret married Miley Doran in a white princess dress and her bridesmaid stood out in bubblegum pink gowns. A pink limo and white Rolls Royce were hired to take the newlyweds, both 18, and families to the reception in Twickenham. Where the hell did they go in Twickenham? Oh, my Godfathers, it gets worse. Guests had only been told where the nuptials were being held that morning, but a mob of uninvited travellers found out they arrived as the DJ was spinning his last record and uh, and then fists flew after they were told to leave. Class, aren't they? Absolute class. I'd love to know what hotel took that booking in Twickenham. I should be mentioning them on the programme tomorrow because they never, they never like to do bookings for travellers because there's always a fight. They don't know how to behave. Uh, they, they're just badly behaved people and you don't really want them anywhere near your premises. That's why 90% of places cancel. The moment they find out it's a traveller wedding, they don't want them in there. And quite rightly so, because every time... If it's a punch-up, because some people turned up and they weren't invited, you can imagine, can't you? You, can absolutely, you don't want that in a hotel or anywhere else. What about all the other guests? Uh, 84850, uk. Thursday morning, 18 minutes to five. And... Um, Apparently, last Friday in Streatham, there was a jet station charging 142 for unleaded. Um, well, I've, I mean, I've got... I pay 144. 144 for unleaded. And that seems... I mean, I'm just assuming that's actually normal. One, I mean, admittedly, it has gone up. I've paid about 136 before now. Uh, let's be honest, Steve, anybody who actually watches Mr and Mrs is a very sad case, and any celebrity who appears on the show is a very sad person as well. Well, I'm assuming they do it for the, for the money. I'm assuming it's a, it's a fee-paying thing, uh, and an ego trip, because I've seen some people on there. In fact, actually, didn't uh, people have appeared on the programme who weren't even married. They weren't even married. I think Eamon Holmes and, uh, and, uh, and Roth appeared on it. And they weren't married, I think, at the time, because they used to... They had a, a thing of just putting people on who were, who were together, but they weren't married, which made a mockery of the Mr and Mrs. Why don't they have it Mr and whoever you're shacked up with at the moment programme? That would make far more sense. So people didn't have to be married to appear on the programme, but it was when you saw 
Poor old John Prescott on there that you realise that the whole thing had just sunk to a new level. And uh, interesting to see Philip Schofield trying to big it up on television the other day and going, oh, we've got John Prescott with some other revelations. Didn't really care, actually. I really didn't care. Rod Little is talking about conquer season. And, uh, and, and he must have been listening to this programme yesterday. He must have been listening to this programme because I talked about Talisa. And Talisa had said in an interview that uh, men were scared of her. That's why she couldn't find a boyfriend. And I went, no, 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 no. They've seen the video. They know you're not much cop, so there's no point. And Rod Little has said exactly the same. He said, I've seen that tape, love. It was... I don't think... I, I can't read what he says because it's not, it's not for family listening, I'm afraid. Uh no, I can't, I can't. It's not even five. I mean, I know we don't have a watershed on radio, but I can't. It's very funny, but I can't. I can't read it to you. It's, it's too rude. It's, it's, it's way too rude for this, this programme, even though sometimes we push the boundaries. I think that one's pushing it just a fraction too much. But, it, but that, that's why, Talisa, that's why they're, they're, they're scared. Because, I, I, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, 84850, uk. Spare a thought this morning for water voles. Water voles don't get much press on this programme. Anywhere else, you don't find programmes on the television devoted to water voles. Um, but what they do... So imagine the poor, sad water vole, called water vole, and he's there and he wants to find a mate, and he can't, because there's not many of them. And so they have to go on a trek. Water voles go on a trek. So they get their little backpack going in the morning, they pack their little sandwiches up, and they're only tiny, and, and they travel for weeks. Weeks and they go miles in search of a mate, their little backpack, their little legs wearing out. They've got their little plastic sandals on and they're crossing the peat bogs through wind and rain and hail. And still the little water vole trudges on. Sometimes they, they, they can actually go on a 10 mile trek to find somebody. And uh, they've, they, they are doing, I mean, stupendous distances for little tiny things their size. And lonely heart water voles who live in small colonies know that they can't breathe with their relatives, so they head off when their hormones kick in. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that sweet? I love that idea. How many, I mean, how many times could you say, ladies and gentlemen, you know, they live in small colonies, they know they can't breathe with their relatives. What does that remind you of? Uh, we're back to, well, we're back to all sorts of things, aren't we, again? I love it. Quarter to five. Alan. You know that Cheryl Cole's an attention seeker, don't you, when she has to go out? Because if you're having a relationship with a boyfriend, and uh, he's an American, he's just a dancer, they don't earn any money dancing, they spend most of their time unemployed, unless they latch on to somebody quite quickly. And luckily he managed to find her. And, and you would stay in. You would stay in in Cheryl's mansion. You would stay in for romantic nights in. You wouldn't be going out into Mayfair, coming all the way in from where she lives, unless it's for a photo opportunity. My advice, Cheryl, pet, is to stay in a bit more, perhaps learn cooking. Remember cooking? I know, a bit like takeaway pizza in the oven, but without the box. OK, a little bit like that. And sort of, you know, the local Chinese takeaway or Indian can probably do meals for you. And stay in a bit more, love. OK? Because... You know, if you're going out on the town, you're not really rehearsing for your new show, are you? I know tickets are a bit slow, and uh, and the press are really looking forward to seeing how much you'll be singing on the show. I'm predicting probably about 10%. The rest of it, I suspect, will probably be miming and memorex, and I suspect you're going to be very tired after one dance number. So you have to build up to it. Perhaps start sitting on a stool... Or come on on one of those little three-wheel trolley things. That'd be good. Uh, Paul tells me that Derek Beatty is still very much with us. Knocking on now as he was born in 1928. His website, www.mrandmrstv.com forward slash Derek Beatty. 
Uh, originally a Canadian show, began here in 67, but it was a split network. When daytime television started, HTV and Border both did versions. Derek presented from Carlisle and Alan Taylor from Cardiff. Before the latest revamp, Julian Clary presented it for one series as well. I saw somebody cheating on Mr and Mrs once. and I, It's always been a great story. What they would do is they would have somebody come out and they would stand there and he would ask questions. He would say, uh, where was your first date? Was it A, the Trocadero, B, the Locarno, or C, the Watsit? And the person would answer. And he'd go, yes. And this couple were on there. And every time they got to the answers, he sniffed. So the correct answer, he said, and after they'd done it once, I remember thinking, that's an interesting way of cheating. So he went so-and-so and sniffed at the right answer. And he did it. And in the end, they won. And I thought, am I the only one who's seen that? I can't have been. I can't have been the only one. It's, it's the, the other week I was watching The Great British Bake Off. And I was thinking how interesting it is that we've got a programme on baking on the television. We've had baking before. Now they're making it acceptable. You know, they go, oh, look, hunky men can do baking and stuff like that. But of course, most of the chefs on the television are blokes. Hardly any women on there at all. And then I thought, wait a minute. I can't be the only one noticing. It's the producer on Backhanders. There were lots of close-ups of the fridges, which they got from Smeg. And I remember thinking, this is product placement. And in fact, 23. 23 fridges. 23 views. And I remember thinking... This is prod- This is backhanders. Somebody's got this. Anyway, the BBC have done an investigation and said that they are in breach of what... Because it's made, I think, by an outside company. And, uh, and they did get the fridges from Smeg, presumably in return for product placement. And it was absolutely disgraceful. It was really disgraceful. But it's funny how, you know, the BBC hadn't noticed it when they were watching early transmissions of the programme. You would think that they would notice something like that. Because it was so glaringly obvious to me and anybody else watching it that somebody was on a backhander somewhere. There was a little bit of bend over and take the shilling. And uh, quite rightly so, the BBC have censured the company. But as, as the BBC being the BBC, they just go, oh yes, we're, 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 we've sorted that out. You think, no you haven't. No you haven't. I've seen loads of product placement on the BBC. You can't, you can't move on some programmes for it. You really can't. Uh, this person who um, I told you earlier on leapt from the top of this uh, building, this uh, city diner. I think she's actually the third death from the top of this city diner in five years. She took a sip of wine, put her handbag on the floor, and then fell. But apparently she wrote a stash of goodbye letters. She's a city banker. Um, That was it. I mean, it must be absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. They were doing a programme on the tube last night, or this morning, on the television. I was watching, it was quite interesting. They were doing, doing the tube during the Notting Hill Carnival and how busy it was and how wonderful it was. And then they had a tube driver. And he said, what you get is, sometimes you get people who jump in front of tubes if they're very, very depressed. And he said, you ha- that's why when you come into stations, they try and come in a little bit slower. He said, you can tell if somebody's going to jump. They just look like they're going to jump. He said, and I've, I've had it happen once. And there was another driver on there. And he said, I had the worst. He said, as I pulled into the station, he said, you know when you get groups of lads and they'll, they'll push and then they grab hold of each other and, and they sort of do a fake pushing as if they're going to push him in front of the train. In this particular instance, the driver said there were three of them messing around. He said, and they pushed this guy 
who started to fall off the edge of the platform in front of the train. He said, as he fell, he grabbed the bloke behind him and he went with him and that bloke grabbed the other one of the three and all three fell in front of the train and lost their lives. They were all killed straight away. So it was like, like a domino effect. I'm, I'm always terrified. I go down as the underground. I was stand, I'm practically back up against the wall. I don't go anywhere near the chuff-chuff. Oh, no, no, no. They're very noisy. And also the drivers never smile. I think if I was driving a train, I'd be smiling coming into the station. Not if somebody's falling in front of it. You understand. I'd be, hello, hello, how are you? I'd like to do that. They had a bloke at one of the stations, and he's a greeter. And he's there to make your journey more pleasant. So as you're going through the turnstile, he's going, hello, hello, morning. I've had hit him. I can't bear people being cheerful on the underground. <laughs> it just doesn't do it for me. But uh, in, in a graveyard, I'm going to have this definitely done. It's a new headstone in the graveyard, only this is a talking headstone. Not a talking headstone in, in the way that you know it, but it's a high-tech way of storing memories. And it's got an iPhone app built into the gravestone. So it's got your name. It'll have Stephen Allen. And then in the bottom left-hand corner, it will have this code. And then what I do, I will scan, or you can... Of course, it troubles it means everybody can scan it. They can scan that code onto their phone, and you can read all about the person who's buried there. No, no, I think that's quite a good idea, because otherwise nobody knows. But it, it sounds quite expensive. The code inserts cost up to £300 in metal or granite, and they're a leap forward from traditional engraved names. I love going around cemeteries. I love looking at gravestones. Some of them are absolutely beautiful, but after a while, as you know, they all wear away. But this thing could stay forever, and you just put your phone up against it and scan it, and you could perhaps you could have clips of the programme. Like, hello! <laughs> How are you? I think it'd be a good idea. Stephen Allen, I, I could tell you where, where the grave is, then you could all go there and you could download the app from my grave. That's cool, isn't it? Like that idea? Good. Who's Keely Hazel? Answer, no idea. I didn't know who she was, but she's in here. She's a former Page 3 girl. And uh, she's, uh, she's making it big in America. Well, she's not, actually. She's, she's just done a piece of PR puff. Uh, her, her, her calendar in 2007 sold 30,000... Oh, wait a minute, she's in a new film, St George's Day. This new film, St George, which, strangely enough, has got Craig Fairbrass in. I didn't even know Craig Fairbrass was still around. He was in London's Burning, if memory serves. And then, as in the case of all these things, which really annoys me, you know, you get a successful series like London's Burning, they then axe it, and all the, uh, the actors find it really difficult to get work afterwards. Very difficult. The same with the bill. They do exactly the same with the bill. They axe a really good series, a really good programme, and the actors then have to sort of wander out trying to find work, and it ain't easy. It really is not easy. I watched a, a great film the other day. I don't know who sent it to me. It must have been one of you lot. And it's called The Lamp. And it was sent to me with a, with a programme about the Titanic. And so I sat down yesterday, and I'm looking at this film called The Lamp, and I thought, I wonder if this is the Dixon of Doc Green film. And it turns out... Um, it turns out not to be. It's about a couple married in America and it starts off at the funeral of their son who's been killed and he's about 11 or 12. And and he gets killed, so they go to the funeral and you can imagine any parent losing a child is, is very, very traumatic. But, of course, it throws up its own problems in the fact that two years after he dies they still haven't changed his room, they haven't thrown any of his clothes out... <coughs> They don't like to do it. And the wife makes a decision. And she gets rid of the clothes. And the husband goes mad. 
He says, how can you do that? That's his memory. She says, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. There's never a day goes by, she says, where I do not think about him. But we've got to move on. And to cut a long story short, they uh, they car boot, or they do one of their porch sales, which they do in America, uh, garage sales, which they're very good at. And one of the neighbours brings along a lamp, an old lamp. And as you can well imagine, it's one of these films which has got the feel-good factor. It's not brilliantly made... But it's, it's well passable, well passable. And the lamp comes with a genie. Not a traditional-looking genie, but a very kindly man who talks to them about how their life can change and how he can give them happiness. He will do them the three wishes. And first of all, he shows himself to the wife, and the husband doesn't believe it, says, listen, you're going mad. And then they both see him together. And it's quite touching. Check it out. I've, I didn't, I didn't, I've never heard of the film before. But uh, I thought it, w- it was quite good. And I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through, but I was thinking, feeling, he's going to adopt two little girls who are currently being shoved from pillar to post because they're in a home just down the street. It's very sweet. Very, very sweet film. It really is. Very nice. The Lamp. And so whoever sent it to me, thank you, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Um, a small piece from the Water Rats... Uh, council meeting about Derek Beatty. You'll be very interested in this. Bryn has just sent this to me. He says, uh, the news is good. He's hoping to have a party to celebrate his 84th birthday. 84th. And this is from Derek Beatty's daughter. And asking whether any of these, uh, his old water rat mates might be able to uh, attend a lunch in honour of his 84th birthday and 70 years in show business. Uh, it says it would be lovely... She's making a suggestion as Derek can no longer walk any long distance and isn't likely to get down to London. And they only got the message last week after, after the uh, the 8th of August, which is when it would have been. So isn't that great to know that he's still going? They were hoping that some of the northern water rats would make it. But of course, as they didn't get the message till later, it didn't arrive in, which is a shame. But he's still going. He's 84 Thank you, Paul. We've filled you, filled you in on the very latest on Derek Beatty. And uh, re-petrol and diesel in France. Diesel for my Jag is hugely cheaper than in the UK. I recently worked out that if I fill my car with the 75 litres it holds in the UK, it costs me 20 quid more than in France. Diesel over here is a hell of a lot cheaper than petrol. I know, because I have both cars with me. The Jag and a small Hyundai, which is super, but is petrol-driven. When we drive back to the UK, I'll get to the ferry port with an almost empty tank and fill up. When I return to France, I get to Portsmouth with an almost empty tank and fill up immediately I get into France. Saves me pounds. Well done, you. Gee, I wish I was that organised. Annie sends her love as I do. Keep up the great work. We love it. Lovely to have you both with us this morning. Hope you've been having some nice weather. We've had lovely weather over here. It's really been really, really pleasant over the last few days and apparently it's going to last as well into the weekend. So that's good news. 84850, Steve at LBC. .co.uk. So the answer is, if you want to save money on petrol and diesel, go live in France. Bryn will tell you exactly how to do it. There's a man who knows exactly how to look after his finances. Good on you. Uh, it's nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. The news at five is next with Sam Pittis. Allen. Morning, Thursday morning in Londonium. Yes, apparently they do adopt both of them. The ending's very good in the lamp film, says Gary and Darwin. I thought they had to. It was almost... It's, it's heading in that, that direction. 
Uh, Hugh says, funny, when the boot's on the other foot, Russell Brand can't take it. He gets upset when he's questioned about his girlfriend and shouted at a fan who made a lewd remark about Jerry Spice. But he obviously thinks it's okay to make childish, disgusting calls to old actors on national radio. Yes, of course, I mean, well, yes, that's what happens with extra drug addicts, doesn't it, really? Their brain has has gone ages and ages ago. Kevin says, diesel's already knocking on 145 a litre. I get through over 100 litres a week, and as for poor Chantel... Well, sweet bimbo, you knew he was a nasty little thug when you got with him, so we've got no pity. And as for in-conversation with either of them, you need to be able to speak and not grunt, so it'll never happen. He says, morning to all the Facebookers, hope everybody had a good day yesterday. Uh, I've just seen petrol at 137.9 in South East 6, says Jason the Bailiff. That is possibly the cheapest. 144 round my way. Used to be the excuse that it was London, wasn't it? The excuse was that because it was London, it was terribly expensive. We all went, oh, right. Unfortunately, it's, it's not the case. It seems to be across the country. Peter says, take your car to either Sloan Avenue or Holland Road Junction, Kensington High Street, and I can assure you the price of the petrol will make your hair grow so fast that you'll need to go to the barbers. Yes, uh, this is, it's terribly expensive, isn't it? It's terribly... I mean, it's, it's not even in keeping with anything we've ever heard of before. And this is... I know the, I know the filling station in question. But then you'd have to be stupid to go there, wouldn't you? If you see the, see the price of something... I've, I've been known to pull into a filling station, even in my car, and look at the price on the pump and think, you're not having my money. I'm going elsewhere. I'll, I'll literally... I'll push it to the garage if necessary. John Prescott on Mr and Mrs Steve. Didn't he do the ITV2 uh, show as well? Mr and Mistress... That would be very good. Mr and Mistress, I like that idea. That's a very, very good one. There was a famous case of cheating on millionaires, says uh, Malcolm, and somebody in the audience coughed when the right answer was read out. Yes, it'll be the cheating ex-major, won't it? Major Charles Ingram, the right little crook, and his wife. Yes, who then sort of pitched up on a few things and tried to uh, tried to make out that they knew the answer. They, they then pitched up on Celebrity Big Brother, did they? No, they didn't. But you imagine that's the kind of thing they would go for. But unfortunately, we shouldn't ever put them on programmes like that because people who cheat and people who tell lies, you shouldn't put on television. Because otherwise it sends out the wrong message to young people. It, it, sell, you know, it, it, it says that what they did on television was OK. Whereas, in fact, I mean, they were both a pair of idiots. Stupid to the core, I'm afraid. And uh, probably, probably never going to go any further than wherever they are now. I can't imagine what they're doing now. No idea. Uh, the current Mr and Mrs is awful, says Jeff. Prior to Derek Beatty presenting the show at its peak, the original presenter was Alan Taylor. He was very good too. Yes, there, there, there were two versions of it running. Two versions. I said Mr and Mrs. And then he's, at the end he'd look at the camera and go, be nice to each other. It reminds me of Thora Hurts. And my friend Chris Jarvis, who does very good impressions for a herd. Hello again. <laughs> she used to do the songs of praise. I've had, I've had a request in. I've had a request in from Claire. And Claire says, can she hear? We plough the fields and scatter. And she can now. And here they are, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, with we plough the fields and scatter. And you knew she was going to die shortly, but you had to watch it. She's lovely. And, and Steve Allen's written in to me. Hello, Steve. <laughs> she was a bit chirpy and I used to love her. I bumped into her, I told you, at a, at a charity do once, and somebody said, this is Steve Allen. And she looked at me, she said, I'm 91. I said, you should be dead. <laughs> I like to cheer people up. Uh, Philip says, a gravestone with an app. I'd rather have a headstone with a proximity sensor, so when somebody walks by, they hear my voice going, hello, I'm down here. Hello. That's been done before. They did it on Candid Camera, where they had a voice coming out of a, out of a post box. Do you remember that one? And somebody's going, hello, I'm stuck in the post box. Hello, can somebody get me out? 
<laughs> Very old, isn't it? I've seen gravestones. Do you remember that famous Only Fools and Horses? What was Duncan Barks talking about Only Fools and Horses? A remake of Only Fools and Horses. Oh, how horrible. Horrible. Definitely not uh, not nice at all. Not nice? Not nice. And that's when they, they painted the uh, the gravestone with this luminous paint. <laughs> luminous paint. Do you remember as a kid you used to have luminous paint? And you'd paint something like an aircraft in your room or sort of a, a ghost or something like that. And then you'd hang it from the ceiling. And when the lights went out, it glowed. Never for very long. And then they had those ridiculous garden lights which came out. which have got a solar panel and a tiny light bulb the size of a, and the size of a match head. And, they, and they've got a picture of it illuminating the garden path as if. As if. Well, don't ever... You'll, you'll waste more money on solar lights. Not the fairy lights, which we think are very good from the solar centre, but uh, the other ones, which have got the little bulb in. Stupid things, they really are. Very, very ridiculous. Uh, 84850. Apparently, apparently the lamp says... Uh, um, uh, who's this one? Uh, oh, Brian. Sorry, the lamp is showing on Sky HD as you speak, starring Meredith Salinger and uh, Lou Gossett Jr., isn't it? Stumbled on it by chance. Thank you, Brian. He's a man who likes his job at Twickenham Railway Station. He always says hello to people in the morning. Always go, hello, hello. James Whale is, oh, here we go. He's not back, is he, again, honestly. It's like being stalked from on high. Would you like some more impressions? I don't, I'm not an impressionist, but it's very kind of you to think that they are impressions. My favourite one is of, uh, of Daphne, who sounds remarkably like Thora Heard. Have you noticed? And they all, all my men sound like Prince Charles. Every one of my... It doesn't matter who I do. I get, you know, a little bit... A little, all a bit like that, I'm afraid. No, I didn't hear that. No. It's broken again. Yeah, the Cheryl one's better. But uh, I do like impressions. I hope, James, you all were at well this morning. Have you got the yellow glasses on, where everything looks a bit yellow? Or have you got your normal ones on? Uh, today, he likes what? Steve! <laughs> He likes my, my Dale Winton impression, yes. Steve. Hi, it's Dale. <laughs> oh, dear, honestly. In the yeah, we could actually do the entire show in Welsh today, I think. Oh, the end of the world is nigh. thought I'd tell you that. Who actually says, says that? William Roach from Coronation Street. You know he's a druid, don't you? You know he's a druid. I've seen pictures of him at Stonehenge in the morning wearing a white robe and standing there waiting for the, uh, for the sun to come up. But uh, he said the end of the world is nigh. Oh, dear, that's not a good picture. Blue is the colour. GB's David Anthony in a wheelchair with a Mohican haircut. Have you seen him? In uh, his, He looks a bit like Arturo Brichetti. In fact, he looks very much like Arturo Brichetti. Ed Miliband has revealed that he uses a philosophy based on ancient Zen Buddhism to help him cope with the pressures of frontline politics. Ooh, frontline politics. How exciting is that? Uh, in the clear as well, no charges against the couple who opened fire on intruders. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it gets so bad now that you can't even defend your own property. You know, as far as uh, most people are say, probably you'll find that uh, James will be saying this later on, on Scan, probably set his own programme. Somebody sets foot on his property, they're fair game. He gets his little bow and arrow out, and it'll be... You like that? He'd be pinning them up against the wall. Uh, supermarkets. And ha- Do you know what I've noticed? Marks and Spencers. I'm getting really annoyed now. And I don't get annoyed, Marks and Spencers. All this three for ten pounds, three for six pounds. I don't want three items. I don't want three items. But if you buy them singly, it's so blooming expensive. The other day I bought some burgers. And it was three 
for £10. Three packs of two for £10. Well, I don't want three packs for £10. I've got no room in the freezer. So I don't want them. So I bought one pack. How much was one pack? £5.67 for one pack. Small wonder we're going elsewhere for our shopping, I'm afraid. Marks and Spencer's way too expensive now. Way too expensive. I'm not... We don't have Lidl and Twickenham. We don't have things like that. We don't have a Morrison's. We have a Waitrose. We have a Marks and Spencer. We don't have an Asda. We're not, we're not down... It's, it's Twickenham. This is up... This is near Richmond. And uh, it's fairly upmarket. I mean, we, we, I mean if, if you see a cat... With four legs in town, the chances are it's a stranger. We don't, we don't have things like that. We've only got a couple of Chinese restaurants. In fact, I think we've only got one at the moment. Two have closed down. And uh, what else have we got? We, don't, we, we seem to have a lot of Indian restaurants. We obviously like Indian food around Twickenham. Uh, Mars Bar Chiefs have disowned the deep-fried variety. I've never had a deep-fried Mars Bar. I have spoken at length on the radio about deep-fried Mars Bars and how awful... How awful I think it is. And now Mars have written to the Scottish chip shop asking to make it clear on their menu that it is not authorised or endorsed by the company because it does not meet its healthy image. Now, if you... (laughs) Is he asking... He's being rude, isn't he? James Whale, he's so rude when he phones up, honestly. He's dreadful. But, so... No, I wouldn't invite him round for dinner, no. Because I'd have to... It it, it is my sect, you know... Is he really? Oh, bless his heart. He's, he's so sweet when he's out of the... I, I, I don't know what sort of car he's got, but I'm assuming it's a cheap car. Because at one point, when we used to talk to James Whale, as he was to pick off up to Sky, he had the roof down on the car. And I'm assuming it, it was a convertible, as opposed to just somebody had ripped a hole in the top of his car. But we could never hear what he was saying at all. So, anyway, deep-fried Mars bars. After all this time that they've been on sale in the Scottish Fish and Chip, nobody's ever said a word. Now Mars have said that they want to make it clear that they don't authorise or endorse the fact that they're doing deep-fried Mars bars. I don't know why you'd want one. I cannot think of anything worse than a deep-fried... It sounds disgusting. Even talking about it makes me feel quite queasy. And the company uh, lawyers have said that the dish is not in line with their marketing code of promoting a healthy, active lifestyle. What on earth is healthy about a Mars bar? It's chocolate. Chocolate is... Bad for you. Might as well deep fry nougat. I quite like nougat, but I wouldn't want it deep fried. It should be deep fried. A sausages and batter, beef burgers, or beef burger and batter, lovely, and um, and fish, not sweeties or anything like that. Lorraine, who runs the shop with her husband Charlie, says I was amazed when I got the lawyer's letter because I really feel they give me a slap on the wrist when I haven't tried to offend them. The shop proclaims it is the birthplace of the world-famous deep-fried Mars bar. She said, we've been selling it for 20 years. Oh, 20 years, you see. It's the first time we've ever heard from Mars. 20 years. It's funny that they should do something now, isn't it? Perhaps they're trying to resell Mars bars as something healthy. Whereas I just see it as, you know, it's the fat people. It's not a healthy option, a Mars bar, is it? I don't know. I, mean, I, do, I do quite like them. I mean, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was healthy. I wouldn't say it was healthy. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, it's even worse putting it in batter. But I, and I love the fact they've had a lawyer's letter after 20 years. Somebody at the company's a bit slow, aren't they? Perhaps they've only just woken up. Quarter past five. News <laughs> headlines with Sam Pittis. Police investigating the shooting of a British family in the French... Station with Steve Allen. Making cutbacks, I see, at the BBC at uh, one of the radio stations, where two of the newsreaders have taken voluntary redundancy. And uh, and they've been there, I think, between them, 74 years. 
It's not bad going, is it? Not quite up to my standard, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. And also, I see that uh, long serving freelance newsreaders will also be phased out, including my good friend Colin Berry. Because he listens to LBC all the time. All the time. Uh, you mentioned, says Paul in Hindhead, uh, deep fried Mars bars, which run healthy. Um, it says here, I'm partial to a can of uh, Monster or Relentless for the energy bars. Do you drink these as you're an early riser? No, I don't do any energy drinks at all, I'm afraid. Full of sugar. That's why they're energy drinks. These deep fried Mars bars, you know how many they sell a week? About 100 to 150. 100 to 100. They must be enormous, the people up there. Absolutely enormous, but they've been doing it for 20 years. Ian in Harlow says there's a fish and chip shop here that does deep fried Mars bars as well. Crikey. I can't, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm always amazed. I mean, is that the most unusual thing that they sell in these, in these fish and chip shops? Very strange. I presume the soon-to-be award-winning show, let's call it Craving for Any Publicity Female, married to the Speaker of the House of Commons, and, uh, and a traveller bloke who also enjoys talking rubbish, will be a family fun-filled half an hour of the adventure somewhere in, East, uh, in Europe. One question, why? Why have we reached a stage that two middle-aged wannabes are given television to show off? You have to wonder the mindset of a commission, this waste of money. Oh, I didn't know they were doing it. Is this Sally Burko trotting off with that uh, ghastly uh, other bloke whose name I can't think of? Johnny is looking for an agent to get publicity and become an annoying D-lister. <laughs> now, there I might better help you. There I might better help you. Uh, little Julie, morning. And she says... Uh, Hope you do a show soon, because Kevin the Milkman has said he'll come straight from work, if need be, wearing his shorts and white socks, which would be entertainment alone. It is true. It is true. <laughs> it would be entertainment alone. Other stories in the papers today. A hospital in Norway sacked a Polish cleaner after she was overheard speaking in her mother tongue. Uh, Joanna, Polish name, was fired from the hospital after she... Uh, was warned only Norwegian can be spoken during working times. The 34-year-old, one of five Polish cleaners at the hospital in Skien, said she was unlawfully sacked because she only spoke in Polish during unpaid meal breaks. Good Lord. She was told by the department, at work, we talk Norwegian. Blimey. She's suing for discrimination, unfair dismissal. Not going to happen, is it? Not going to happen over there, because that's how they work. I find it quite unusual as well that you go into... What you think is a, is a British uh, place to eat, and there's no English staff in there at all. They're all Polish, all Polish staff now. There's no, it's appeared as though the English have just vanished, just disappeared completely. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And lots of uh, things from, from people saying that they love deep fried Mars bars and fried pizza. Oof, good Lord, honestly. Small wonder we're becoming a very, very unhealthy, unhealthy nation. So, um, our Chinese fish and chip shop, Steve, in New Zealand, sell deep-fried Mars bars as well. Good God, I mean, I'm amazed at the stuff they sell in these shops. I think it's absolutely unbelievable. Paralympics for today. I'll give you the rundown for the end of the programme of exactly what you can look forward to. I could tell you that uh, with Nick Ferrari this morning, paper reviewer is Rachel Jane, deputy editor of the Sunday Express. I wonder if she'll manage to get in a plug for Dallas seeing as it's coming back on Channel 5 and the Daily Express is owned by Richard Desmond. But uh, Nick will be talking about the 55 free schools opening this autumn, and yet many have had problems sourcing buildings and getting enough pupils to attend. Nick will be asking if free schools are really a good idea. And usurping William Hague's teenage speech before a bunch of MPs, Vince Cable's grandson joins Nick in the studio to tell him about a special presentation he's done in the Commons. All of that, plus regular traffic updates after a burst water main causes havoc on the North London roads, all with Nick Ferrari from 
seven this morning. I'm just seeing how old Vince Cable's grandson is. He's how old do you think? He's? Eight. Uh, this is uh, this is Ayrton Cable. He's, he, no, he's nine. He's nine, and he's coming in this morning because he actually presented a campaign film that he's made about animal welfare to MPs of the Commons. He's nine. Oh, bless his heart. He's going to be with Nick Ferrari this morning at 7.45. Positively late for a school person, I would think. Positively late. Uh, coming up this morning as well, and this is uh, going to be with Susan Bookbinder at 6.30, the launch of the Claire's Law pilot in Manchester. Uh, the Greeks... We could have to work six days a week to pay off their debts. Supermarkets. Most people don't trust supermarkets. And in a, in a recent survey, 74% of you think that supermarkets are untrustworthy. I suggest it's higher than that. We don't trust them as far as we can throw them. And most people say their grocery bill has increased. Has it ever? Has it ever? Even I've noticed that. Even I've noticed. Because they're going, oh, buy three as opposed to one. I don't want to buy three. Buy two of these for four pounds. I don't want to. I just want one. I just want to buy one thing. They'll be talking about the Paralympics with Natasha Baker, who's the uh, dressage rider. Two golds for Team GB. Fantastic. Fantastic. It just, the, the, the toll gets better and better, doesn't it? The tally of medals. On this shooting spree in the French Alps, they now think that there's another girl found alive. So that's two found alive. The other people, I think, are dead. Two women found dead in the back seat of the car. A man dead in the front. Seven-year-old girl discovered lying on the road in a critical condition. And they've now found a four-year-old girl. Reports suggest she was underneath some of the dead bodies. Absolutely dreadful. Apparently the scene is being described as something seen in a film. The seven-year-old was taken to the nearby Grenoble University Hospital, where her condition has been stabilised. And they've said she's now out of danger. The owner of the vehicle was British. And he was the person who identified himself to the campsite. They checked in. Two women and two young girls. We can only assume it's a family. But we're taking evidence, including DNA. And we'll send that to the British authorities. Uh, the bodies of the people in the car are not going to be moved until later on this morning to allow further investigation. We think they're in their 40s and 50s. 60 police officers are at the scene. The area is closed off and they're looking now for the perpetrators. I'm assuming that uh, they will find the car of the person because somebody was shot, weren't they? Residents were asked if they'd seen a car speeding past around the time of the shooting, which was reported by another cyclist, later said to be suffering from shock. The area is very popular with walkers. It's known as the Little Venice of the Alps. It's a centre for swimming and water sports. And there's going to be an update on the shootings in Anensi this afternoon. That's on the story. It's on the front page of the papers today of the shooting spree in the French Alps. They think it's uh, left a man, two women and a cyclist shot dead. Two children, one seven, one four, appear to be survivors. And hopefully the seven-year-old will be able to give the police a description of the vehicle or person or persons who carried out the crime. But they're waiting just while she's stabilised until they can actually... Uh, actually start asking her questions because it's just it just seems so odd that it's a random shooting you just don't get things like that you just really don't uh lynn says really enjoyed the dallas comeback last night I was quite surprised it was good doesn't always work i don't think it's ever worked i don't think any comebacks have ever worked but if this one were i just don't i'm not interested i'm afraid i'm just not interested i'm really i couldn't care less about dallas i couldn't care less i'm afraid <laughs> um one here the government 
nor any other government will stop the price of petrol, gas or electric going up, because the more it goes up, the more tax they get. You don't have to go to Eton or Oxford to work that one out. Well, that's how they make their money. That's how the government make their money. And that's why the tax on the petrol is, I think, 57.9 pence per litre. The actual cost is 50 pence per litre of the petrol. So you can see who makes the most money out of it. The government. The government make the most money. And it's, occasionally it comes down, we get all excited, don't we? I've kind of given up getting excited, because now it's almost gone beyond the bounds of decency, I'm afraid. One forty-four I paid the other day, and I can't see that coming down any time soon. Even if, as, as, as we've had reported in the past, people saying, well, I'll tell you what you should do, the whole country should all rebel and we shouldn't buy petrol. You think, well, what good's that going to do? At some point, you're going to have to buy petrol. And, of course, if, if people stop buying it, they just hike the price up again. Eventually, you're going to have to pay for it, whether you want it or not, unless you've managed to actually continue your life and conduct your life without using a motor vehicle. I know it's very nice to have bicycles and stuff like that and to be ecologically green and go out there and have one of those uh, different cars that works on electric or it works on petrol, so it makes no difference which way round you do it. I personally need a car. I do need a car. Uh, my mum did a deep-fried jam butty when I was uh, when I was little. It tasted like a donut. A deep-fried jam. Yes, I've heard of these before. Isn't that like one of those things you pop in the toaster? I think that's... that's I'm definitely... That's definitely... Uh, Definitely the kind of thing we should all, we should all not be eating. I'm afraid at the moment. Uh, all the papers are full of Alex Reed, released without charge after his arrest at his Essex home. The silly twosome, who've just wasted everybody's time just by breathing. I think are in the papers yet again. This time because he was trying to get back into his house uh, in the early hours of the morning. I don't know whose house it is, but either the door was locked from the inside, so she's either being incredibly stupid. Uh, she thought it was a burglar proving just how dim she really is. And so, in the end, the police were called. Uh, Chantelle is now listed as a former glamour model. She was never glamorous, unfortunately, never glamorous. And uh, she's now speaking about the hurt and the strain her relationship is under. It's really tough being Chantelle, isn't it? Want to come out in the real world, Poppet. Want to come out in the real world where, you know, you actually have to work for your money. People actually make you work for your money and then you get out there and you do something interesting as opposed to just selling dreary little stories and wasting the police time with you and your silly little boyfriend. 84850, steve at uk. The other stories in the paper today, apart from the, uh, the girl fighting for her life, is the thief, the Slovakian thief, Robert Ziga. He goes into a hospital and he watches a ward for 90 minutes until he thinks it's safe. And he goes in and he sits by this woman's bed. She, because she's under anaesthetic, thinks it's her son. So she's holding his hand. She puts her hand in his hand. Then she realises it's not her son. Tries to pull her hand away. He wrenches her ring off her finger and, uh, and gets out. The police are called and they've uh, caught him. She'd worn this ring for 52 years. 52 years. It's like most people who wear rings. You very rarely take them off. But anyway, they have uh, caught him, and uh, no doubt he will be, he will be going. He's, he's now received convictions for dishonesty since arriving in the UK and had criminal records dating back to when he was 17. What are we doing with this person in this country? We'll just kick him out. I so want to fly a plane with all these people, put them on it and just open the door and push him out. Save an awful lot of uh, time and trouble. Time and trouble. But uh, she's now feeling an awful lot better. It's LBC 97.3. The time now is 5.30. News headlines with Sam. Steve Allen. Morning Thursday. 
I'm assuming everybody's back at school. I'm assuming every single little kiddiewink in the country is getting their education. Because yesterday I was seeing some kids out and I thought, no, you look as though you should be at school, but perhaps your school's not gone back just yet. Very strange. Uh, Dan is off to bed now. He said, thank goodness it's nearly the weekend. Funny week this week, isn't it? Very, very, very strange week for some... For some it's dragging a little bit for some people. Noreen says, Brian filled our car up yesterday and said it was the dearest he'd known. Well, I've, I've, I've given up worrying about the cost of petrol. I go in there and I just assume I'm going to go in there with £100 and not get... Sometimes I stop at about £97. Um, I think... I think definitely I'm going to have to sort of cut back on taking the car out. But uh, deep-fried Mars bars <coughs> sounds revolting to me, says Noreen, and to me too. Have you decided how many shirts you're going to buy in Vegas? I think I've seen you wearing the Hawaiian shirts at shows after you've come off stage. Yes, I have. But these ones, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so very taken yesterday. We went online and had a look again yesterday at some of the shirts that they sell. And everybody was now telling me, including the... Uh, the lovely travel department at LBC, who are always very good and always a very good indication as far as I'm concerned. Jay Louise knows all about these sort of things. And she said, when you go to this uh, shop, this uh, shopping mall over there, the, the, the one that does all the fashion, you can go to the concierge desk or whatever it is and get a, a tax-free shopping thing. I think you just show your passport and you get a little card and then you can do tax-free shopping, which I think is absolutely brilliant. I like the idea of actually doing tax free, so I can save a bit of money because the dollar's fairly weak against the pound at the moment, so that's going to be good news for me. I've had a look online. I think I might have to buy ten shirts. Ten, and then, and then somebody said, but that's nearly $1,000. I said, yes, but they're going to last me for ages, aren't they? I, I like the idea of buying these shirts. If, if, I like the, if I don't like them, then I shan't buy them. But I quite like the especially now they're, they're tax-free. I told Jay Louise yesterday, so what a brilliant idea. All in favour of that. Um... Somebody says, Dear Mr. Allen, I hope you enjoy your holidays. I managed to bring back a nice jackpot from Vegas. Oh, I did uh, yesterday. I'm so sorry. I was very remiss. I got, um, I don't check it all the time. I try and check all the time on my uh, Twitter account. And I had a number of people yesterday who were contacting me to say, Can you wish uh, good, good luck to. This is from, uh, from Joel, Joel Bevan. His wife, Gemma, I think it's their wedding anniversary. <coughs> and I, I, was, I wasn't sure if that was uh, today or whether it was yesterday. But then Gemma wrote in and said, can you wish Joel Bevan a happy... Th- oh, it's a third wedding anniversary. Married three, together 15. It's not bad, is it? Married three, together 15. I like that idea. So congratulations to the, to the Bevan family. And um, <laughs> Daniel wrote to me and said, Alex Reed, thick as two short planks, is liking for cross-dressing, chillingly sinister... I like the idea of chillingly sinister. And um, and uh, one here, James, who says, good show as usual. He says, I agree with your opinion of kids in pageants. And uh, and somebody called Mo says, what's wrong with making your daughter pretty for the camera? Luckily for you, you work in radio. Ah, and Kevin Hughes wrote to me as well. Kevin Hughes, honoured. Oh, we like Kevin Hughes, our showbiz report. We like Kevin Hughes a lot, actually. We like everybody. It's a bit too embarrassing, really, isn't it? Uh, now, Kevin says, Patsy's been asking on Facebook if anybody thinks you'll be doing a stage show this Christmas. No. I can tell you now, categorically no. There is a very good reason for it. It's because half the crew aren't available this Christmas. So what we're probably going to have to do is do a show probably around January. And, uh, and, and also, it was the idea that you were going to turn up straight from work in shorts and socks that kind of, uh, that kind of put me off a little bit. I was only joking. He says, all the Facebookers... 
want you to come back and do another show. And uh, I've said, come hella high water, I will make the next show. I will make the next show. So it's not going to be... Because at the moment, we're, we're losing various people who are working on the shows, and they're not available at the right time, and I only want the right team with us. So, but th- there will be one, and don't worry, you will know about it first. I shall tell you first. Gary and Mitchum says, my boy doesn't go back to school till tomorrow. It's hardly worth bothering, is it, on a Friday? You go on Friday, and then, and then you're off again for the weekend. Uh, Patsy loves Claire Balding. Yes, I mean, she's, she's, she's perfect, isn't she? As long as she doesn't sort of spread herself too thin and start doing loads of other things. That, that's what I worry about. But she's clear, concise, charming, intelligent and funny. There you go. Neil in Maidstone is off to Vegas on the 17th. Can't wait. I can't wait either. John Warrington sorted out the car parking yesterday and the Esther. And we've got to do one more thing. And then I've just got to go to the bank and get some money out which is the exciting bit, just get a few dollars. Luckily, dollars they do keep. I've been asking for shekels or something like that. They probably wouldn't keep anything in, but uh, dollars they do keep in, and it's lovely. Please give a shout-out to my nan, Mickey, who loves your show. She listens to you every morning. We'll be listening on her way to work, which is good. Isn't it horrible when you just wake up now and you're sort of, it's, it's at this moment? If you work in radio, there's people who are driving in or getting ready to, to go on air at six for all the breakfast shows. <laughs> You know, but some of them, when I walk past the, the Capitol studio in the morning, sometimes I walk past and Dave Berry's in there and, and all the, the There's a like, whole people in there. There's like, there's like loads of people. And, and, I've, and to be honest with you, I've never heard the show because I can't because I'm on air. It's a bit difficult, really. And I've often wondered, who kicks off the show? That's we'll have to. When, when Dave Berry was on XFM, we used to mention them on, on, on this show. And then they would, they would cut and paste what we'd said about them and play it back on their programme. Which was very funny. We used to have, it's great fun with things like that. Mind you, we used to get the same with old Chris Moylis. Chris Moylis used to repeat my show on his show. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose it's the, it's the hour of the morning, isn't it, really? Deep fried pizza is another delicacy. Oh, the pear lolly. And that's Mary, who says, I've witnessed with horror being eaten by a Scottish friend of mine. Deep fried pizza. So, in other words, you do pizza. You make a pizza, and then you cut it into pieces, and then dip it in batter. And th- Oh, my Lord above. That sounds terrible. Pear lollies. I was going to tell you about pear lollies. The other day, I had, a th- I had a craving. I had a craving for banana lollies. There's only one place, as far as I know, that you can get banana lollies. So it's making my mouth water. And that's the ice cream van in Twickenham. Parked down by the, uh, the waterfront, down at the bottom of Water Lane. So you, go, so you go past Michael the hairdressers. You go past the lovely little Chinese with Jack and his lovely wife. And then you go down to the bottom. The ice cream van does banana lollies. And lovely they are, too. And I said, how about a pear lolly? I've never heard of a pear lolly. And the more I think about it, frozen pear sorbet sounds delicious. And frozen pear lollies. So I then, I'm, I, sort of, I think nothing more about it. I've mentioned it on the, on the programme. And, and I then thought, well, I wonder, I wonder if anybody will actually come back with a pear lolly. Lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, I had an email in the other day. And I shall find it here for you. And that, because you'll be as excited as I am. I've written back already. I'm not daft. Not daft on this one. And it was, um, here we go. Wait a minute, just bear with me just one second. Here we go. It's from Jessica. And uh, Jessica says, uh, just wanted to send you a quick message after reading your blog and seeing you were looking for a pear ice lolly. I may be able to help you in your lolly search or at least meet you halfway as I have a client. It's only natural, which has a 100% natural apple and pear ice lolly. She said, it's only natural's apple and pear fruit freezy. Fruit freezy. 
It's made of 100% fruit, no added sugar, artificial flavourings, preservative colour, even better. And the fruit freezy goes towards your five a day. So let me know if you're interested and I can send over more information and samples. So I wrote back and went, samples? Question mark. Thinking that if they're sent in the night before, they're going to defrost. It's going to be a little bit difficult to get them. So the only way that we're going to get them is if they come in at, say, something like quarter past six in the morning. You know, that, I can't think of any other way that we're going to actually get these things because I just don't... I can just imagine that she sends over the samples and we're going to be going, it's an apple and pear, which sounds delicious. The more I think about it, the better it sounds. And then, because we don't have freezers here at work, the fridges are only fridges. There's no freezer bit, is there? The canteens, they'd have to go go all the way up in the lift to the... Oh, far too complicated. So I'm not sure how this one's going to work, but I like the idea. I'd want to come in in the morning and the sort of six ice lollies, which have defrosted. We've just got some six bits of water. I don't know, there's no freezer. Oh, there is a little freezer down on reception. Sven's little freezer. Perhaps if, if, if Gary's on the front desk... Perhaps we could pop it in there and keep it in there. Oh, so excited now. So excited. So, uh, oh, yes, yes, please, Jessica. We'd like to try some apple and pear ice lollies. Sounds wonderful. She's only based in the Farringdon Road, so she's, she's not that far away from us. An apple and pear ice lolly. <laughs> I told you, we get all sorts of... You've only got to mention something on this pro- People fall over themselves backwards to try and make stuff for this programme. I remember distinctly when we had Fish and Chip Week. And they sent in fish and chips at six in the morning. We're eating fish and chips at six in the morning. I have to say, it tastes very good at six in the morning. And uh, here we go. This is uh, oh, lovely. This is Corin and Tony. I hope you are well. I hope you're well. She says, uh, we had a great time when we went to Vegas back in the 80s. We didn't go to bed for 24 hours after our arrival, as we were taken to all the shows. It was fab. Now, we should be going to the Millfield Theatre on Saturday to see Eurobeat, almost Eurovision, with David Short, who is Jan and Peter's son-in-law. But she said, I can't get rid of this pneumonia. She's had this pneumonia for ages now, ages and ages and ages, and it will not go. It will not go. I'm not going to the end of the month, though, Corinne. By which time, if anybody's got any answers of how you can get rid of this pneumonia, I mean, she's had all the tests, she's had everything done, and she's still got it. She said, it's so depressing. She said, on a happier note, have fun, and we both look forward to your safe return. Yes, I'm hoping so to... Well, I'm, ho- I'm definitely hoping to come back. A safe return. It'd be nice if I did actually put a little bit of money in a fruit machine and out came a million dollars. Very, very unlikely, but, I mean, we, we hope for things like that. And I wish you, I wish you uh, well in your quest to get rid of this stupid pneumonia. How annoying it really is. And uh, little Julie says, all this talk about food. I'm feeling hungry, despite having a Burger King Whopper ice cream and popcorn at the cinema last night. It's so bad. That is so bad. On the subject of uh, tax-free, um, Bob says, if you tax-free shop in Vegas, you must, in all sense of honour, declare the shirts at the UK board. Of course, heavens above. I mean, I'm the most honest person. Honest Steve, they call me. I will be declaring shirts. I, I think you can bring back so much. They're not going to really bother about a few shirts at the UK border. They're going to more worry, aren't they, about bringing back watches and all sorts of things. So I'm going to say I bought some shirts... In Las Vegas. That's, that's all I can It's all I can do. And they're going to go, how many shirts you bought back? And I'm going to go five. <laughs> I don't know how many I'm going to buy yet. I haven't quite decided. It's going to be somewhere between five and ten. But they're going to be so surprised when I go through the channel and go, I want to declare some shirts I've just bought. I know what my friend Daryl will say. Oh, for goodness sake. He says, go to Ace Effects at London Bridge for your dollars. He goes to Vegas all the time. You get loads for your money. Loads of money. I like loads of dollars. I like the dollar. I think I've still got at home some dollars left over from the last time. 
But uh, I've, I'm blowed if I remember what I've done with the blooming things. Enough trouble find, trying to find normal things now. I'm going to get my little suitcase out soon and start doing practice packing. Practice packing. I like practice packing. Have you ever done that at home, ladies and gentlemen? Of course you have. You get all the clothes out. You put them all on the bed. You know, you count out how many pairs of socks and how many underwear you're going to need for the trip. And then you always take loads. You always come back with things you've not worn. Which is ridiculous. I might buy new, actually. I've got to get some new socks anyway, so might as well go and buy them today. Quarter to six. The news headlines with Sam Pittis. Police investigating the shooting of a British family. Alan. Can't resist it now. We've now managed to get Danny Wallace on board as well at the same time. <laughs> Gets better. Actually, the trouble is, since they've moved... Because we used, when we used to walk up our corridor, I should explain how this works here, that uh, Capital's studio is in their office. XFM's office is downstairs, so they have to come upstairs into what was the old Capital studio in the corner. And it's like, but we don't see them now. I'd have to physically go in to their studio. The only time I ever see, see Danny Wallace and the crew is when they're either coming in to do an interview, following on from me, or I'm following on from them, or failing that Danny's out at a screening. I love it, though, when people in the business listen. I find it, I find it quite fascinating. So he said, we should do something, too. <laughs> Imagine. I think we, we should move into the next studio. Perhaps we, we, sh- we should move choice. So I don't know where perhaps we could share with choice or something. Because I love being over... I wish our studio overlooked the front of Leicester Square, but we don't. We over, I'm overlooking the Garrick Theatre at the back. It's not half as exciting. I love the story of the millionaire Anthony Mead. He suspected his wife was having an affair. And there's a picture of her on the, on the boot of this Mercedes car, on the, on the bonnet of it. She's uh, tie-born. Her name is uh, Suthira Ashley Mead, and they've since separated. They're heading a divorce after seven years of marriage. Anyway, uh, he, he went round there and torched her clothes. £15,000 worth of clothes. He actually... Hmm, hello. Is this the strip part of the programme? Is this where everybody stands up and takes all their clothes off? <laughs> I think we should do a programme nude one day. I recommended this the other day. We were thinking about whether or not any, it would make the slightest difference... If anybody actually, if, if I said we were doing the programme naked, I did do it once overnight. And, and we did say to people, and we're also on the internet. Uh, unbeknownst to us, we were on the internet because somebody said, we didn't actually take our clothes off, we just pretended. But somebody said, I can see you on the internet. And when somebody writes in and says something like that, you always worry about it. And you think, no, you can't really. And so this person wrote in and said, I can see you in the studio. And I said on air, yes, of course you can. And they said, here's the link. And so I (laughs) I click on the link in the studio and up comes me on the the screen. Well, I nearly freaked. And it turned out it was something that Ian Lee had done. It was either Ian Lee or Clive Bull. And they'd set up the studio and it meant that it was still live on the internet, but it was the funniest thing ever. So just always be very careful in studios when you think you'll do something. But I think I think nude would be very funny. If I actually announced this morning the first nude radio programme from LBC, and it was actually live, and then we were being beamed into the, into the reception, Gary was sitting there watching it on the big screen. I mean, that could be fairly entertaining. We could whiz round all the other studios and see how many other presenters had jumped in on the back. Perhaps we should have a big global sort of a mass... Perhaps I could hide behind Danny Wallace... <laughs> Sorry, Danny. Certainly wouldn't be hiding behind Dave Berry. Let's uh, let's let's face it. James Whale is just about to eat a sausage sandwich. Please stop talking about being naked. I know. I'm so sorry. It's not nice. I did laugh though at this man who torched his wife's clothes. Not very pleasant. And in fact, he uh, 
He has just uh, been given a 12-month suspended prison sentence. But it's the thing that men do when they're, when they're very enraged and when they're very, very angry. And uh, she called the police quite clearly, and he was really cross about it. And you do things. I had a neighbour once who did that. He actually picked up all his wife's clothing and threw them out the window. And the police were called, and by that time, they both stormed off. So the police thought that something had gone on, so they broke the door down. It was all a bit... It was, it was a bit dramatic. Especially for sort of a Friday. Uh, 84850, uk. Lots of people still on, on holidays at the moment. I never understand why people leave them so late. I know a lot of families try and take kids out of school if they want to go on a holiday, because it's the only time you can do it, and it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, curvy... Uh, Carol Vorderman leaving the studios, walking out without a coat on. I suppose that you don't need a coat on, but the shoes are very inappropriate. I'm assuming she's not the, the tallest person. Uh, talking of sausages, John Prescott has revealed that uh, in his youth he used to woo Pauline with his sausages. And the judge, who's in all the papers today, has provoked fury by praising a burglar for having the courage to break in to people's homes, adding, I wouldn't have the nerve. His Honour, Judge Peter Bowers, who also expressed his belief that prison rarely does anybody any good, was condemned for his comments as he let off Richard Rochford, 26, and he avoided a two-and-a-half-year jail term. Somebody said he's going soft. I think sometimes the judges are, are directed and they say, listen, please don't send anybody, anybody to prison. I noticed one of the other guys in here, uh, one of our setter-upper people who's worked on this programme before, has just been summoned for jury service. And so he'll have two weeks, but he's also... Um, because, you know, police officers can now serve on juries. They couldn't before. There was a ruling, but they, they changed it a few years ago. And now, serving police officers, because we had one on our jury, Sam, who works out of Staines, I think, or lives in Staines, and uh, he was on jury when I was on jury. And I loved it. The more I think back on it, the more I think, hope they book me again for jury service. I want to go on jury service again. I loved it. They, 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 they were all guilty. They were all guilty. All of ours were guilty. In fact, one of ours, we never even got as far as that. We, we got as far as the court and they'd actually changed the plea to guilty. So we were dismissed. I was so looking forward to sentencing them. As far as I was concerned, I found everybody. Oh, guilty, guilty. If you got this far, you're guilty. Right, you're guilty. Sort it out. Bring in the hanging. <laughs> it was, it was the funniest thing ever. But if ever you get booked for jury service, you must do it. You must do it, because it's, it's, it's well worth it. Parents have been warned by a coroner to beware of an ultraviolet Call of Duty video game. Duncan Barks talked about video games overnight. I've never played a video game. It probably makes me an immensely sad person and something missing in my life, but I've never done it because it just doesn't interest me in the slightest. I've often thought it was a very solitary thing. Kids sit there, you know, with their fingers banging away on the little keypad, playing video games, and it, I don't think it's, it's useful to anybody. I don't understand the addiction, but yet Duncan Bark spoke to, I think, a 14-year-old this morning, and he says that um, it's actually not, not that difficult to get uh, copies of these games, even though it says 18, it is actually uh, easy for 14-year-olds to get hold of them. And this schoolboy here killed himself. He hanged himself in his bedroom. I don't think it was necessary to do with the game. I think it's to do with the fact he'd had an argument with his mother. His mother was at the coroner's court the other day, and she said, um, you know, it's very important to, for people to know that I'm not a bad mother. And you have to ask the question, does she not know what he's doing in his bedroom? And I'm afraid, parents, you're supposed to know what your kids are doing. And the other thing is, he killed himself with a... She said he was very mature, 
Well, quite clearly not very mature. Quite clearly not very mature. And that's why you sometimes look at parents, you think, you've got no idea what your child is doing. You've got no idea what video games they're playing. This one apparently has sold, I think, about 100 million copies around the world, even though it's got an age restriction. That doesn't seem to make any difference, because somebody will go out and buy it, and then they, they swap games, all these kids. And then now they're calling, Keith Vaz in particular, is calling for new restrictions on violent video games. But I always think that it's, uh, it's a bit strange. Um, an inquest was told that afterwards... Because uh, Callum regularly used the 18th certificate game, which features graphic scenes of soldiers' gruesome deaths. Uh, they were told that afterwards he subsequently appeared to behave older than his years, telling his 13-year-old girlfriend he wanted to run away and have a baby with her. This is at 13. Following a row with his mother, he was found hanging by his school tyre from his metal-framed bunk bed. I mean, the balance of his mind would have to have been disturbed. Far from being old for his years, he certainly wasn't, I'm afraid. He is just a very little boy. Uh, the coroner says the age restrictions are there for a valid reason. There's a reason why there's an age restriction, but it doesn't make any difference. You go to a film now, you know, in my day it used to be X certificate. X certificate meant that it had something of an adult nature. Well, I got in and I was 15 for an X certificate. He says, I think that parents should keep a very close eye on, on children. Was it his intention to kill himself or just give you a shock? They don't know. They don't know. It might have been a game that went wrong. Who knows? Mothers are downstairs, and, and she says here, he was, he was allowed to play Call of Duty, but not others. Does that make me a bad parent, says his mum, because I let him play the game. I banned him from other games where they slashed their throats and stuff, but Call of Duty I didn't. Kind of backfired, but we'll never know. You can't ask somebody after they've died, did you intend to do this or intend to frighten your mother? So when she came up the stairs, she would scream and then she'd give you a cuddle and tell you what she probably should have told you in the first place, that she loved your tons and uh, she was sorry that it finished that way because that's, that's unfortunately what happens with kids now. They sit in their bedrooms, they get so carried away and so immersed in these video games. I've never seen them. I've seen little bits on the television. They do look fairly realistic, but I wouldn't... I just wouldn't be interested in watching them anyway. I'm in the real world. I don't, I don't really feel that, that, that I'm, I'm that interested in sitting down and watching them. But even as a kid, I never watched them. I never did Dungeons and Dragons. I never played those games. I was, I was a bit boring, actually. I was quite happy to sit down and read a book. God, that made me so boring. <laughs> the more I think about it, the worse it becomes. But I wasn't, I wasn't interested. Uh, somebody says, Steve, if you do a nude programme, don't forget to invite Prince Harry. <laughs> and Neil says, if you can, when in Vegas, try and see the Beatles' Cirque du Soleil show. Love. It was the best show we've ever seen. All the seats are good as the stage is in the middle. I have seen Cirque du Soleil before. And very good they are too. Uh, Steve, we sell pear lollies at Metro's Food in Essex and I work in London, so I'll drop some off at six next week. Well, that'd be nice. And that's from Lars. Tell my fiancée I love her as I'm getting married next Friday. What, to her or to somebody else? I don't know, listening to this programme. Uh, you're talking about jury service, says Jack. I think it's important that we should be able to sentence people to the death penalty. Well, we dropped that years ago because of the fact that we made some mistakes. You cannot just bring back... It's amazing how we managed to move effortly on this programme from pear lollies to the death penalty. It's amazing, isn't it? You will have a death penalty if you don't supply us with a pear lolly. A pear ice lolly. Oh, I could, I could just see it now. I could just see a pear lolly. I used to buy the orange ones years ago before I realised it was just all sugar. But these, these natural ones we talked about earlier on, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. It's apple and pear lolly. Oh, dear, it just makes you feel ill. 
thinking about all these sort of things. But anyway, he said, I think that we should be allowed to carry guns, says Jack. Oh, I hope not. I don't ever want to get to the stage where ordinary people, and I use the term loosely, can carry guns. News at six with Sam Pitties is next on LBC. On FM, Steve Allen. Morning, every seven minutes past six. The Dixon of Dot Green film, says Paul, is The Blue Lamp. And the film you're watching is the one with Meredith Salinger, starring as Lisa Walters. Here, she and husband Stanley struggling to cope with the loss of their son, Eddie. I won't spoil it, but a lovely film. Surprised it didn't have a wide cinema release. By the way, everybody had a lovely time yesterday. Sadly, Jackie had an awful journey home due to the travel problems, no doubt. Photos to follow. And the Mr and Mrs theme, done by Jackie Trent and Tony Hatch, of course. And why has your impersonation of Thora Heard turned into George Formby? I know, there's, there's something strange going on, isn't there? When most of... That's why I snorted. Most of my impressions uh, end up as somebody else, I'm afraid. Uh, on the subject of jury service, uh, Bob said, Me too, loved it. Done it three times now. I think it's an honour to be called... Oh, I thought it was an honour as well. I loved, I've not even cashed the cheque. I've saved the cheque for the expenses. I'm, I've not bothered. I was, I was just happy to be doing it. Because it was easy to do. Because I did this programme and then went straight from here back home and then off to the courthouse. Loved it. Had a cup of coffee, sat down with a few people and then just prayed that you got called for a case. Absolutely loved it. Best best thing I ever did, I think. Uh, Ian says, I like the uh, very sharp taste of frozen lollies and buy an online natural lemon sorbet. Comes in foil sealed packs and is clearly unfrozen. By the time it reaches me, this is probably how your apple and pear lollies arrive. You simply put them in the freezer for a couple of hours and they freeze again. What a lovely idea. Perhaps that's why they're called freezies. Are they called freezies or something? Perhaps, uh, ah, that's, that's, so, so in other words, you buy it as liquid and you put it in the, fr- Oh, sounds even better, doesn't it? I like the idea of that one. Gary on the subject of fuel says, I've actually worked out I've saved a fortune in fuel costs since April by cycling to work. I've only driven 600 miles since April and cycled in excess of 1,500 miles and I've lost weight and gained fitness. Well, of course you have, because you are super fit. You are Mr. Super Fit. I'm, I'm not Mr. Super Fit. In fact, this morning I did... Um, I, I woke up... You know when you wake up and you think, oh, I must go to the toilet. I don't know why. You just wake up and think, I'll go to the toilet. And I always have a look at the clock, and I'm always surprised by the fact that it's only about 10 o'clock or 11. And I went to bed reasonably early last night. I'd done everything I had to do, and I thought... I just, it's, just sometimes it's lovely just to, to crash out. If you're in bed at the moment and you've got to get up, it's the worst feeling, because you really don't want to get up. You just want to lie there, and it's warm, and it's cosy, and you think, oh, could I, could I feign illness... Could I pretend to be sick and not have to go into work today because it's all warm and cosy and I don't want to go in? And the mornings are sort of getting a little bit a little bit drawn, as they say. So it's a little bit colder this morning. So you wake up and you go, oh, I'm going to stay in bit. I'm not very well. I can't come in. So pe- people do that. And, um, and I, I thought about that. So I woke up this morning, go to the bathroom, I look at the clock, and I was horrified to discover that it was, in fact, five to two, which meant that the alarm was just about to go off. So... I was I was depressed, really, after that. So I turned on the television. And I, the first thing I do is check the news to see if anything major has happened overnight, just in case there's something I should be aware of. And then sort of come in, get in the car, and uh, arrive in the studio. I always like it when Gary's on the front desk. He's always fairly chirpy, and I like, I like Gary on the front desk. So... Uh, Give him a wave because I'm on the big screen at the moment downstairs at the reception. I have to do that because we have this huge... If you've been into Global's reception, which a few privileged people have, like Zoe and Andy, and uh, then you can you see on, on the big screen and it flips around all the different radio stations. But I think you can keep it on one radio station. And so... And I know if it's on because there's a little red light that comes on 
and I can and I can look at it, and I, I wave sometimes because I'm sad and I need to get a life. And I can't remember why I was going down this road, but anyway, it was all very exciting. So coming up today because it's Paralympics, uh, the men's 100 meters. Uh, the men's 800 metres, the men's discus throw, the men's 200 metres, women's 200 metres, uh, women's swimming. This is at the Aquatic Centre. Sailing down in Weymouth. Great Britain have never won a Paralympic sailing medal, but that will hopefully change. Helen Lucas is guaranteed a silver in the 2.4 metres. The Scud 18 crew, world champion Alex Rickman and Nick Burrell will also have a bronze at least, so that's good news. Cycling is over at Brands Hatch for today. And there must be something... Is this a concern? I don't know if anybody can tell me, because I don't know the answer to it. Is there anything taking place on the Mall? Because the whole of the Mall is all closed off... And I'm assuming that must be for something taking place. And if you go down by St James's Palace, which is next to Clarence House, you've got St James's on the right-hand side, Clarence House on the left. There's a big archway, and there's full of people in, um, in uh, you know, fluorescent jackets and stuff like that. And it's all this. Maybe there's something taking place down there, but it's been there for, for the past couple of weeks, at least, or week and a bit. And I just keep wondering if they're doing anything there. Um, a new version, incidentally of the central London section of the Tube Map, which replaces the names of stations with Team GB's medal-winning athletes, has gone on sale to highlight the fantastic success of Team GB. So well done to all of those there. Couldn't, couldn't be happier, could not be happier than with all the people who've, uh, who've got themselves medals. Some people, very greedy, more than one medal, which is excellent. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning, just after news at 7 o'clock. The 55 free schools who are opening this autumn, and yet many have had problems sourcing buildings and getting enough pupils to enrol. Nick will be asking if free schools are really a good idea, and usurping William Hague's teenage speech before a bunch of MPs. Vince Cable's grandson, who is nine, will be joining Nick in the studio to tell him about a special presentation he's done in the Commons. And uh, all that, plus the regular traffic updates. That's after that burst water main caused havoc on the North London roads. Loads of things uh, for Nick Ferrari and the team to, uh, to talk about this morning. Karen says, I love jury service. My boss didn't. I was out for seven weeks. Seven weeks. Wow. Because normally you do two weeks, and if you get if you get lucky, you get uh, picked about three times for three separate cases. We had, I think, four in two weeks. Four in two weeks. Uh, a couple of them were quite short. A couple of them were short. I tried to find your Elvis quiz on YouTube, but failed. I think it probably comes up as Steve... Try Steve Allen Five's Company. That might That might find it. Uh, Steve, I've never been taken in by adverts, but you're, you're such a bad influence, says Lynn. If it isn't Manuka honey, it's coconut water. And once again, whilst out shopping on Tuesday, I found myself looking for pear ice lollies. I know. David in, uh, in uh, Streatham, St. Retham, says, I got a letter for jury service last week up in the city. Looking forward to it, but it's not till June 2013. That's called organisation. Gives me time to practice my guilty. Yes, it depends if you get picked as jury foreman. I was jury foreman once, and you have to stand up, and uh, it was just wonderful. It was like Perry Mason. It was like Perry Mason. It was <laughs> very good indeed. I did enjoy it. If you, if you get picked for it, don't look at it as a bad thing. Some people, especially if you're elderly and retired, it's fantastic. Try and get yourself on a, on a long case. Most people in for two weeks don't want to do long cases. LBC 97.3 Apparently in New Zealand, Steve, they serve roast dinner sandwiches. How yucky is that? 
Strange enough, I think that sounds quite nice. I think a roast dinner sandwich sounds wonderful. A roast turkey sandwich with all the trimmings. Oh, yes, please. Oh, yes, please. <coughs> Excuse me. Johnny says, going to Las Vegas, hang on. It was over 100 degrees every day last month and it's in the 90s now. I presume your love of the sun has changed as of the 24th. No, no, it hasn't. I, I, don't, I don't do sunshine, in fact. I'm not, uh, not very good. I will be spending most of my time in uh, air conditioning. And, in fact, the car that we've rented for the time over there, I've uh, also made sure it's air-conditioned. I don't do anything in the heat, I'm afraid. I literally... I get out of somewhere, I walk across a car park, and I'm into air-conditioning. Apparently, when in Vegas, try deep-fried pickles with ranch dressing to die for. Ranch dressing? Is that what we call Thousand Island? Uh, Yeah, Thousand Island. Julian says, I'm back after five months away. Out of prison now, are we? (laughs) I've been away for five months. Where would you go for five months? And he says, I've missed your tones. Have I missed out on details on where you're going this year for the Christmas fairs in Germany? Uh, no, no, I'm not doing any Christmas markets this year. I was toying with the idea of a, of a Christmas market. I thought about going back to Vienna because I like the Chris Kindle mark there, which is in front of the, uh, the, uh, the Parliament building. And that's quite nice. But there's some lovely... I'd like to go to Salzburg for Christmas. That's very, that's very cuckoo clockish, isn't it? And very, very sort of pretty. And you can get those nice uh, chocolates out there. They, there is this shop, I wish I could remember what it was called, but they do miniature chocolates. Every chocolate you can think of, but they're miniature, and they're in little chests of drawers, depending on how much money you've got. And that, that would be quite a nice Christmas present. I like to try and buy unusual Christmas presents for people, but unfortunately, I'm so dreadfully boring at Christmas time. And sorry to mention Christmas, but there are some pictures in the papers today of a couple of the supermarkets putting out their Christmas stuff. Marks and Spencers have got mince pies out. I have mince pies in the boot of the car uh, with whiskey in, which quite, I did have one the other night with some um, some cream on. Well, it wasn't actually. It was that other stuff. What's that other stuff that isn't cream? Not cream. Um, creme fraiche. So I had creme fraiche. Then I had a fruit salad because I felt a bit better about life, having half-fat creme fraiche. And I had that. And then I go to the garden centre to buy a few plants to put in the in the pots. And they're getting their Christmas stuff out they're pricing up the Christmas stuff, which means it's imminent. It's imminent. I love it. I bet you anything I find a Christmas shop in Las Vegas. In fact, I, uh, I probably will guarantee of finding it. A Christmas shop in Las Vegas. And uh, deep fried pizza. Ian says we call it pizza crunch. Pizza crunch. A lot of people telling me about this stuff. It sounds awful. Deep fried pizza. I think um, one here. This is uh, Phil. He says, a few years back, I parked my truck overnight in Paisley, walked to a takeaway to buy the evening meal, happy to find they did pizzas as well as the usual fish and chips. I ordered a seafood one and was asked, do you want batter with that? Incredulous, I declined. So, splash, my whole naked pizza was thrown in a vat of boiling oil. I kid you not, when I got outside, I could have wrung it out. He says, I threw it in the bin, went back to the truck, and opened a tin of beans. No wonder Glasgow is the heart attack capital of the UK. He says, I'm listening to you, watching the sun rise over the North Sea as I thunder along the A1 in Northumberland. Ooh, break a break for a coffee. Break a break for a coffee. Or a coffee as well, I suppose. Ron's in Witten. Morning, Ron. He says, on the news, planes flying in formation. Be great in summer, watching the red Airbus landing on the third runway. Exactly. Um... And then Gary says, I'm not surprised you never played video games as a child. They weren't around then, were they? <laughs> Very cruel. Very cruel, excuse me. Of course we had video games when I was... A- How old do you think I am, for goodness sake? 
And Joey says, ranch dressing is different from Thousand Island. I had Thousand Island yesterday on some, on some baked potatoes. Uh, somebody said they're building the stand in the mall for the guests and the Olympic Paralympic volunteers for the Victory Parade on Monday the 10th that starts. Thank you so much, Joseph. I knew somebody would know. I've, I've, I never have any problem. I just have to ask a question and the LBC audience immediately rise as one and know the answers, which is fantastic. On the subject of, um, of the car, my Volvo, says Brian of Hornchurch, runs on LPG. It's half price fuel at 69p. Why don't you get the Bentley converted? Um, I don't know if you can convert the Bentley for that. I don't know. Although, strangely, Alan in Clayhall says uh, you could have LPG on a Bentley. I do you think you lose something, though? I'd hate to lose... And also, where would, where would it go? And don't say in the boot, because, as we all know, there is no chance. Uh, I can't get the LBC app this morning. I don't know whether the producer knows about that. I'm getting other radio stations, says Graham. I've rebooted and reloaded. Um, and that hasn't worked. I don't know what the answer is to that one, if the LBC app isn't working. I think you need to... I think there is something on the on the LBC page. I think so. If the LBC app doesn't work, then people will have to... Uh, good grief. Check. And, uh, and see. So I've just been reminded, actually, of the picture of Nancy Delolio wearing her very revealing dress. I don't know why I was reminded of it. All of a sudden... All of a sudden... Oh, we need to restart the what? The comp... Oh, the computer. We need to... Re what, my computer? Oh, right, we have to restart my computer. OK, do you want to do it now? Do it, do, do it, do it now. I'll just carry on talking. Oh, God, I feel so lost without the computer. I don't know what to do. It's like, you know, the, the day your phone dies and you look at it and you go, but that's... My life is on this phone. All the, uh, all the phone numbers of the important people are on there. All the important information. Front page of the Daily Express today. The secrets of the Queen's dog whisperer. I like dog whisperers. I like horse whisperers as well. I'm very impressed. Sophie, Countess of Wessex, stunning in pink. Not sure if the hairstyle suits her. It's, uh, she's not meant to wear these sort of dresses. It just doesn't... She was at the Paralympic Ball. It, does, it, just, it doesn't suit her. I'm not being, not being rude. I'm just saying this is not a great look for her. The four people who you'll be hearing about throughout the day who've been shot dead in the French Alps. Three bodies discovered in a BMW 4x4. They'd gone over there, checked onto a campsite, <clears throat> gone off to a beauty spot... Two children have survived. Uh, one man... Uh, sorry, two men and two women. One man unrelated to the people in the car. He was a cyclist. <coughs> Excuse me, just going past. And he was shot dead. Uh, two children have survived. One outside the vehicle, one inside the vehicle. One was apparently uh, buried under a pile of bodies. And they think it's uh, all members of the same family. No doubt we will find out as the day goes on exactly what the story behind that is. The sun this morning... Judge Dreadful, this is the judge I told you earlier on, <coughs> sorry, um, who lets a thief walk free and tells him it takes courage to be a burglar. Any of you going, are you off your trolley completely? Uh, the Brit family gunned down in France. Carjackers kill four and leave girl of eight fighting for life, says the Mirror. She's seven, actually, and there's another one of four as well. Chantel and, uh, and Alex Reed, who've wasted everybody's time yet again just by breathing. Had to call the police in the early hours of the morning when they've got better things to do. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they didn't, uh, didn't quite get there. She thought somebody was breaking into the house. Uh, other stories report that she didn't hear the door being banged in as he was standing shouting outside. Um, front of the Metro today. The Dangers of Being Me by Susan Sarandon. 
And uh, apparently Ronan Keating has denied his comeback album will document his affair and marriage meltdown. He said songs on the album will deal with emotions rather than go into all the gory details of his tryst with a backing dancer. I mean, does, any- <coughs> Excuse me, does anybody really care about these things? We're still trying to find out on Catherine Jenkins exactly who it was said she'd had an affair with David Beckham or has she just made it up? Is it just something she's gone, I didn't, you <coughs> know, because I want it on record that I haven't had affairs with lots of people. But it, I, ha- <coughs> I haven't been told that. I've just, I've just made it up. Here is the supermarket, Morrison's in Wokingham. And they've got their Christmas cards, crackers, sweets and chocolates out already. My advice is stock up early for Christmas. You don't want to be missing out on things like that. I myself am playing Christmas carols in the car. You know, deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la, la 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 la. And it makes me feel Christmas. I, I could be your, I could work in a Christmas shop. You know that there is a Christmas shop in Tooley Street. And uh, we know that they're regular listeners to LBC. And uh, it's mainly because we're, uh, we're all very festive and Christmas here. And this year I'm going to decorate the studio, I've decided. I did one year put tinsel around, around the microphones. And some unkind presenter, I don't want to mention any names, James Max, uh, was removing it. I think, you know, taking it home to put round his own very small tree, which he had in the sitting room. I think it was just sort of sat on a table with one little ball on it. And uh, that was probably pinched from here as well. So this year I'm determined to do something. We had a slight competition last year with, um, with Classic FM, whose boss hated Christmas. So they decorated the studio like you've never seen with blow-up Father Christmases. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Conquer fights could be consigned... Too history, I'm afraid, because horse chestnut trees are being attacked by tiny moths and a deadly bacteria. As we told you the other day, the one thing you shouldn't take away from children, and this was in the light of all those ghastly shows where little kiddies dress up, you shouldn't take away the fact that they like conquer fights and they like climbing trees, and that's part of the fun of being a child. You do things like that because it's good fun. If they take away conquer fights because it's, because it's dangerous, then it's miserable for people. People don't like things like that. You know, let them do it. Let them be children. Don't dress them up and do little fashion parades because it's dull and boring. That, sadly, is just about it for today. I'm assuming I'm going for 59... 50, 29, sorry. Way The old thumbs up there. Ooh, you know, cooking with gas. All that kind of stuff. So we'll do it again tomorrow. If you go to the LBC website, you can learn about podcasting, which is terribly easy, I promise you. And uh, there's a free podcast, which will be up in about half an hour. We're going to record Simon Callow for In Conversation for this week. And a lovely actress called Anne Reid, who you will know from Dinner Ladies, from Coronation Street, from the Talking Heads with Alan Bennett. Fabulous. I'm looking forward to talking to her as well. Have a great day. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7. Next on LBC 97.3, Susan Bookbinder with the early morning news. LBC 97.3.